Need a good night's sleep? Casper can help. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash RFR. Use promo code RFR. That's casper.com slash RFR. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, I know we say it a lot, but it just uh, was proven, I think, this week. No better time to be a Star Wars fan. You go from the announcement of a Star Wars title to cameras rolling on the next Star Wars movie. All within a span of a week. And what a great way to announce it. Han, first shot. (laughs) Very clever. Very clever. That's in the news. There's all kinds of great things in the uh, in the news this week. We'll break it all down for you here on Rebel Force Radio. This week's show for February 3rd, 2017, we have a fantastic program lined up for you, including we finally get him back in the cantina, our old pal Ernie Klein, known uh, nowadays as Ernie. Ernest Klein, Ernest, prolific yes. author. Yes, the author, of course, Ready Player One, just about to be released in theaters early next year, directed by none other than Steven Spielberg. And uh, I don't know if you heard, but there's a score by John Williams that's going to be prepped here pretty soon. So really, really uh, always fun to talk to Ernie. Very freewheeling, fast-paced uh, conversation. Uh, so it'll be great to catch up with him. We have not spoken to him about uh, Rogue One yet, so interesting to see what his take will be on that. We also have uh, Mark Hamill in the news. He's talking about the prequels in the Star Wars prequel haters. Uh, he's at Sundance Film Festival, and uh, Vulture uh, Magazine caught up with him, and uh, we'll, get, we'll have all that. Plus, a Nissan Rogue One giveaway. That's right. We like to spread the wealth, and uh, so much more. And here, of course, to help me do that. And so much more, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. I, I do I do want to clarify, though. We are not actually giving away a Nissan car in the show. Oh, I thought this You'll... was our Oprah moment. You no. get a car. You get a car. You get a car. But uh, Nissan's doing a lot of great stuff tied into Rogue One still. And uh, we're going to be hearing about... Uh, The cool thing that we have to give away shortly, and we'll tell you how you can win it. Plus, 
come on, Ernie Klein is back on Rebel Force Radio. Of course, we go way back with Ernie to the days of Fanboys. Of course, Ernie was a co-writer on Fanboys with Adam Goldberg, directed by Kyle Newman, the classic love letter to Star Wars from Ernie, Adam, and Kyle. And uh, so we've known Ernie now. Yeah, I mean, since the beginning, really, since mm-hmm. uh, about 11 years now, we've known him. And it's just been great to see him, his star rise. Yeah. He's 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 a rising star in Hollywood. Kyle, and, uh, Kyle was one of our very first guests on the old show. Um, I want to say he was like guest number four. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, and of course, Jim, as you say, that, that led us to getting to know uh, Ernie Klein as well. And uh, what a great guy. Super nice guy. Uh, a An Ohio native. As a matter That's of fact. right. As a matter of fact, we got to go to the Fanboys premiere in Ohio with Kyle and Ernie. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was a lot a great of fun. time. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's coming up and we're really excited about that. But first... Jim, you and I, I don't want to, well, I shouldn't say you and I, we weren't the topic of conversation, but something that started on Rebel Force Radio uh, really just kind of blew up last week um, in, in, in mainstream media. And what, what we mean, you know, mainstream media, your, your major media outlets, we're not talking about new media, we're not talking about the blogosphere or the podcast sphere, we're talking about your ABCs, your, your, your Rolling Stone, People Magazine, Us Magazine, those kind of outlets. And um, our interview with Carrie Fisher, this went back to 2010, we, we uh, have talked about it many times here on the show, in fact, it was a major part of our Carrie Fisher tribute episode that we put out. Uh, just after her um, untimely passing, um, we sort of discovered late. I, I, I didn't even remember this moment in the interview. But last week on the show, you had mentioned that, lo and behold, Carrie Fisher talks about how she would like to be remembered at the Oscar ceremony should she pass away. That's right. And uh, so we, we replayed it on last week's episode and all of a sudden it just went crazy. Uh, ABC News covered it. Um, it was on ABC.com. Uh, it's it spread to, like I said, people.com, Us Magazine, Rolling Stone, uh, even uh, some of the publications over in Europe and other places in the world all covering this because it, well, it's very timely. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel will be hosting the uh, Oscars on February 26th. And, um, you know, we, we, when we heard that, we thought, but wouldn't that be great if her wish of how she would like to be remembered could in some way be incorporated into that Oscar ceremony? That's right. Yeah. And uh, that was our our goal in uh, revealing that clip that we unearthed. I love how a lot of people reported that it was uh, unearthed. And I, I just, you know, <laughs> I love the archaeology sort sure. of factor coming into play there. Indiana Jones, you know, dodging darts and, you know. I don't remember ever earthing it in the first place. Do you? Did we earth it? <laughs> throw me the tape. I'll throw you the whip. No, it didn't quite go down that way. Right. But, um, but it did. Uh, it, our goal was to get it out there and really spread the word so that the Academy would hear this and actually consider it. So we really 
we said on last week's show, that was our wish. And lo and behold, our wish was granted to us. Jason, it even was reported on ABC World News with David Muir. I couldn't believe it. But I had no, I had no idea. And I, I was, you know, before we started recording the program, I'm, I'm looking at the rundown and I see this and I had no clue. I, I mean, I knew that it, it had made, you know, the rounds on the web, abcnews.com and all of that. But I had no clue that it was actually on any of their you know, television broadcasts or news broadcasts. And I don't know why you kept it from me. Well, I did, maybe I just wanted to surprise you. That on was text worthy, man. <laughs> text worthy <laughs> stuff. That's text worthy stuff. But um, yeah, so we've been uh, we've been spreading the word, and uh, actually, um, it, it's even reached Jimmy Kimmel himself, who is hosting the Oscars. I happen to have a couple of friends who uh, may have worked with Jimmy in the past on uh, some radio shows and things like Crank Yankers and the Man Show, and. Uh, so they were uh, kind enough to pass it along to Jimmy. But I haven't heard anything back. But we know Jimmy Kimmel is aware. Wow. So he's our guy. I mean, if he can't make it happen on the Oscar ceremony, maybe he can do something on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I don't know. But um, back to what we were talking about, uh, ABC World News with David Muir. Uh, yeah, they reported on Carrie Fisher's so now, Oscar. Wait a minute. Are you telling me David Muir just wraps up talking to President Trump yeah. On that big interview and then goes on to talk about Rebel Force Radio. Well, here. Well, he went on to talk about Carrie Fisher. Go ahead. We have the recording. <laughs> Why right. don't you play it? All right. Let's let's play. Here we go. Carrie Fisher's last wish for Harrison Ford. This is ABC World News Tonight with David Muir. A farewell wish from Carrie Fisher revealed tonight. The legendary actress said in a newly unearthed 2010 radio interview that she once asked Star Wars whoa, co-star whoa, Harrison wait, Ford. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> now you know why I, now you know why I, I didn't tell you about it. <laughs> a radio interview? Radio? Yeah. Um, um, so I I was experimenting with actually fixing the uh, audio clip before we played it and uh because I knew you would be upset. So I thought maybe if I could just sneak one by you. So uh, play, the, play the ABC World News fixed audio. All right. The legendary actress said in a newly unearthed 2010 Rebel Force radio interview that she once asked Star Wars co-star Harrison Ford to sing at her Academy Awards tribute. All right. So, but you know what? That was, I, I, I didn't think you'd buy it. Uh, I, I thought it was close. I thought it was close. I'm like, maybe he'll... But no, no. So that's why no. I didn't tell you is because it, I got to be honest with you. So radio. The legendary actress said in a newly unearthed 2010 rebel force radio interview. Well, you know, it, he just missed a couple words on the <laughs> teleprompter. And uh, he, yeah, so but that's fine. It hey, doesn't we matter. know the okay. truth. We know the truth. That's right. And and here's the bottom line. Here is the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I was actually interviewed by ABC News. And um, we had said, I had said, and we had said last week that, you know, sure, you can say she's being flippant and silly, but that's what she said she wants. And we're looking to create 
a movement here. And seriously, that's what this is all about. A lot of people were congratulating me saying, oh, good job uh, getting the word about Rebel Force Radio out there. And while, yeah, it's a lot of viral advertising I could never afford, that really the goal here is to make it happen during that Oscar ceremony on ABC February 26th. We want to see all the people or a lot of people who Carrie Fisher has worked with come out on that stage, most specifically the cast from Star Wars, come out on that stage as a tribute to her. And then we want Harrison Ford to step up in the middle, grab that microphone and start crooning, come to me, my melancholy Wookiee. We all, everyone, and then like Chewbacca could come out, and it would just, it would be glorious. It really, it would be. It, I mean, how much, what a kick she would, you know, have gotten out of that. I mean, what a bizarre uh, moment that only, you know, in in remembrance of Carrie Fisher, would it would it make sense? Uh, and I'll even forgive the uh, in a recent radio interview or uh, you know, unearthed in a radio interview. But, yeah, no, that, that of course, that's that's it's what it's about making that happen. And, you know, I, I've always been um, it's 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 awkward during the you know, what we call the, the death reel at the award shows, because they, they always bring out somebody to say, OK, please hold your applause to the end. Right. And and they start with somebody big right away. And I was like, woo woo and then, then they, then it's an agent, yeah, right. And yeah. it's like, or it's like studio legal secretary, <laughs> yeah. And it, like, how would you like to be that 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 person's you know grandkid or you know or or kid or whatever? And they get like one applause, you know. And then, but so they try to keep it pretty equal, right? They don't want any one person. But the, the, the crowd inevitably, you know, goes crazy. So to to single out Carrie. Um, would be a great gesture. Now, in the interview, not a radio interview, in our podcast interview, uh, she's actually talking, uh, referring to the tribute they did for John Hughes. So clearly the year that John Hughes passed, there was more than just, you know, his uh, clip in the, or still photo in the, in that year's death reel. She says that they brought out, so, you know, all the people or several of the people that 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 John had worked with. over. Sure. I went back. I went back and Did watched you? that sequence. Yes. Yeah, they brought out Judd Nelson and Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall and all these Rat Pack reunion. Yeah. And, and so I figured if they did that for her, for for John Hughes, I mean, my God. Carrie Fisher certainly deserves something of that magnitude. And when we talked to Carrie, this was really fresh information. Because the Academy Awards that year was on March 7th. We spoke to Carrie on April 16th. Mm. So just, you know, not even a month and a half after the event where she made this request of Harrison. So I really, you know, I really scrubbed the Internet to see if she had talked about this to anyone else, anywhere else, at any other time. And I could find no examples of this reference being made to how she wants her Oscar tribute to go down. And I just find it fascinating that, that she told us two yahoos, all the people, you know, keep in mind, they put Carrie's ashes in that goofy giant Prozac tablet (laughs) pill, whatever. Okay. But that wasn't even a request from Carrie. 
that just they just did it because they thought she would think it was funny because she had bought this thing at a rummage sale or somehow she got it and she always like joked around with it like hey maybe you need one of these you know um <laughs> and maybe she, she might have been looking in the mirror when she would be doing that <laughs> but knows? whatever but but that wasn't even one of her requests it was uh i i believe at the at the very most she may have uh, joked around or been serious about a certain obit mention she wanted about uh, drowning in the mood light uh, strangled by her own bra something <laughs> like that that's the closest I could find. Yeah, yeah, I saw that floating around. But too, being yeah. so specific about how she wants her Oscar ceremony tribute to happen, or tribute reel, as she calls it, um, boy, oh boy, that's something that you're right, Jason. Uh, mainstream media just jumped all over, and uh, we're we're so thankful for. Uh, Everyone uh, who who is spreading the word, because really this isn't about us. This is about Carrie Fisher's Oscar wish being realized. Come to me, <laughs> <laughs> my melancholy Wookie. Yeah, I can Beautiful. see it happen. Yeah, listen, that's all it would take, right there, yeah. right there, and then Chewbacca come out, do some break dancing or whatever you do. <laughs> We'll move on to uh, Best Supporting Actress uh, in a feature film or whatever, Best Animated Short. Um, but this is great. I'm really very pleased with this. And uh, now we just I – think, I think just knowing that Jimmy Kimmel has possession of this story, uh, I think we might be able to, to see this thing through. And, uh, and I, I'm just thankful for all the support we're getting from worldwide media. I mean, not just in the States, but everywhere. I'm still getting reports spilling in from places like uh, Spain and, and uh, in France. And, and I mean, there's stories I can't even read, but uh, they're right. coming up to me on my Google alert uh, because there is no way to translate Rebel Force Radio into en français unless you say, <laughs> stupid. So, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if anybody, like you say, can make it happen, Jimmy Kimmel can. It was yes. Jimmy Kimmel if memory serves, that reunited Harrison Ford and Chewbacca mm -hmm. before there was an, a talk of Episode 7. And I remember us covering that moment, Jim. Yeah. And I said, to, I said on the program, I said, oh, you know, there was what was so cool about that is if I kind of squint my eyes, even though he's not dressed like Han Solo, you get a sense of what that might be like. If they were ever on the big screen together, little did I realize a couple of years later we would we would get that. But anyway, Jimmy Kimmel's been, you know, at the forefront of this stuff and you know, really as far as the late night talk show guys, really covering Star Wars better than anybody. Yep. Uh, devoting whole episodes to the to the films. So uh great choice in host and hopefully he can uh he can make Carrie's Oscar wish come true. That's what we're hoping. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. All right, so let's do our big Rogue One giveaway. All right, let's I still have not revealed what the giveaway is, but this is uh, courtesy of our friends, Nissan, and your friends at Rebel Force Radio. We have three amazing keychains, Death Trooper keychains from Nissan. And uh, the, these are, are very hard to get. They're top quality. Jason, did you get any of these? I did. I did. They're amazing. They're super heavy. And they're Death Trooper heads, 
So they're Health death trooper heads with a, uh, you know, with of course, the chain confirm. and the put your keys on it. Right. They're helmets. We can't helmets. confirm there are actually heads within the helmets. Well, I cut mine open. There's definitely a head inside. It's less than collectible and more evidence now than collectible. But we want to we want to share with our Rebel Force Radio listening audience. It's not fair that that our friends at Nissan just give Jason and I these killer keychains. You guys get the opportunity to also score one for yourself. We have three to give away, Jason. So what we're going to do, and we've done this before, folks, is you want to share the Facebook post for this week's show. Go to facebook.com slash Radio, and you will see a post for this week's show, including the link to the show and everything. It'll be pinned to our homepage on Facebook. If you share that post, you will become instantly eligible to win one of three amazing Death Trooper keychains. But I have to be able to see your name. So a lot of people have security uh, things on their uh, Facebook and everything that make it hard for you to tell if they've shared something. I don't know if there's a way to turn that off uh, specifically for our contest or not. You know, you know, look for the toggle on, on Facebook that says Rebel Force Radio Contest. And then switch that to on. And then that means, no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> no, that's not, but, a, that's not a feature. But there could be something in your settings, a privacy setting that doesn't allow people to see if you shared a post. So you might want to turn that off so we can actually see your name. But uh, we will we will take all of those names and we will uh, choose three of them at random and we will announce our winners on next week's show. So that's a Nissan Rogue One Death trooper keychain one could be yours these things are high quality great collectibles and uh really just a great uh replica of that classic death trooper that we got introduced to in rogue one nissan's all over that as a matter of fact i've been invited by nissan to visit them next week at mccormick place at the chicago auto show to check out their amazing death star display you know they they know i love star wars so when I said, well, where am I going to meet you guys? They said, just walk in and look for the Death Star. So I'm expecting something big here, folks. <laughs> I'm expecting something big. Wow. And these Nissan Rogues, that, uh, their, their Star Wars limited edition that they put out with Rogue One, amazing cars. I got to see them up close and personal, actually, at Lucasfilm. And they were out there on the red carpet with us, Jason, at the uh, Rogue One uh, premiere in Hollywood. So... Share that Facebook post and listen to next week's show to see if you've won a Nissan Rogue One Death Trooper keychain, courtesy of your friends at Nissan and Rebel Force Radio. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, Mark Hamill interviewed as he's out promoting his new movie, Brigsby Bear. And he is at uh, is this the Sundance Film Festival and was being uh, interviewed by the folks at uh, Vulture dot com. And it, there, there's a these stories are all over the Web uh, from these uh, couple of clips that have been released from Vulture. Uh, but he's talking here about how he just can't believe the intensity of the prequel bashing that has happened since uh, the films came out. And in particular, uh, sort of the the how harsh the criticism was of 
Jake Lloyd. So this is the first of a couple of clips we have of Mark Hamill uh, talking at Sundance about Star Wars prequel bashing. I couldn't believe some of the things they wrote about uh, the prequels, you know? I mean, but really, beyond, I didn't like it. <laughs> you ruined my childhood, and I'm still angry about the way they treated Jake Lloyd. He was only 10 years old, that boy, and he did exactly what George wanted him to do. Believe me, I understand clunky dialogue. So I almost got hornswoggled in that documentary where I, they weren't calling it the people versus George Lucas at the time. But I could tell from the questions they were asking me, they were, it was an open invitation to trash George. And I have issues with George, but I love that man. I would never, you know, and I don't talk outside the family. It's just brutal. I just, uh, one of the reasons I would never let my kids be in show business, wait till you're 18, because it's going to be an endless uh, life of rejection, ridicule, and, and unemployment. So yeah, we're really excited to make movies. <laughs> I was going yeah, to say, what happens in The Last Jedi? <laughs> you know, thanks to my short-term memory loss, I can't remember. <laughs> so Mark. There's, there's Mark, um, and, and this is the first time I think we've, we've heard him uh, really talk much at all about uh, critical or fan reaction to the prequels. Um, he was actually quite quiet. Uh, Jim, if you remember, you may recall... Um, this was back during what I call Mark's black leather jacket era. Okay? This is... <laughs> the the mid I'm sorry, the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. Is well, it... the mid to late nineties because well, I remember him this, showing up to up that at, at the premiere. He was at the oh, premiere yeah. of episode for one, Star Wars special edition. Oh, with yeah, the black the special jacket. edition, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Black jacket, <laughs> the black leather jacket. Because I remember seeing him also uh, showing up at premieres for the prequels, in particular episode one, I believe. And, um, you know, that was at a time where that was before he started doing conventions and uh, not that he hadn't done any, but he was not making the rounds like he does today. And he wasn't always quite as warm, at least in terms of the way he spoke, as warm and affectionate towards Star Wars. I think it's something that. Uh, over time and, and, and with the release of the prequels and then the Clone Wars um, and seeing how there was a whole new generation of fans, I think, did Mark start to thaw a little bit, at least publicly. I can't speak for how the man felt in his heart and privately, um, but I think he started to thaw out publicly at that point. Um, but this is the first time we really ever heard him come out and say, I, I, I believe we might have him on record if we go back into our archives of him talking about the prequels, you know, saying, well, they're, you know, they're really not, you know, our movies and, you know, they're very different and, you know, very, very, very politically uh, correct, I think, um, summation of them. But, you know, Mark wasn't a, a whole lot older than Jake Lloyd when he started acting. And um, so, you know, clearly, as uh, someone who'd been through that as a young man and also a, a father of several kids, uh, that's something that, you know, he still finds repugnant, you know, the way that, that, that fans. And, and the thing, Jim, you know, we've talked about this on the program, whether it be Jake Lloyd or it be Hayden Christensen. We know they were doing what George wanted. These were right. young actors and they were listening to their boss. In that case, their boss was the director and they were being directed by George. 
Yeah, but I mean, when you're in that situation, you you hate to even acknowledge that because you come into it saying, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. I'm going to be working with a film legend like George Lucas, the genius of Star Wars. And so you just take everything on face value and you don't really analyze what he's uh, given you and everything. I, I personally enjoy a lot of... Uh, I'll say I, I have a lot of the dialogue to the prequels mem- memorized and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know, I know it like, uh, like I know the original trilogy. Um, I don't tend to see the big break between the two as far as overall style goes. I know Lawrence Kazan obviously is a massive uh, force on, uh, on uh, script writing when it comes to the original trilogy, but, and, and he was missed. In the prequels, I, I don't, I don't doubt that either. But I, I still find some level of consistency in the dialogue between the two films. It's, it's just in the prequels, there's no moments where, where there's a snappy repartee. You don't get the snappy repartee no. in the uh, prequels, thus making it uniquely George's. And, um, yep, yep. and, and, and that's just you know the, he's 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 was I think much more concerned with driving the story forward and connecting it close to the original trilogy much more than he was on developing characters and things like that because hey, maybe he felt like well they know Obi-Wan they know Anakin Skywalker it's i you know there's there's so much story to be told maybe yes. maybe yep. we should just rely on their knowledge and familiarity with these characters and that will give us the affordability to have the time to really flesh out the plot and the plot was the most important thing of the prequels m- m- much more so than the characters characters come together in the original trilogy and that's what fuels the fuels the beast of the characters that we see in the prequels even the characters that weren't in the original trilogy uh, many of them do have some sort of loose connection to it so um like a character like padme not in the uh, original trilogy, but her presence is felt there, certainly. Yeah. You're always wondering, well, who's Luke's mother, you know? I mean, Luke's an orphan, Leia. Um, so it's a whole uh, it's a whole ball of wax uh, when you want to look back. Now, why is Mark talking now? Why is Mark talking now? Why, why is he always been quiet about it? Well, I think because he's now immersed back in the Star Wars world. He's, he's, he's punching the clock nine to five again in Star Wars. So I think he feels more comfortable with speaking about it because he's directly involved with Star Wars currently. In the past, he was, he was keeping Star Wars at arm's length for a long time before he started to emerge from all of that. And, uh, and now he's been given a complete rebirth as Luke Skywalker in the sequels. Yeah. So he's back. He's talking about Star Wars and he has opinions. Mark is somebody who is always a good talker and he's someone who doesn't hold back. If you ask him a question, Jason, you and I know this from firsthand experience. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a good interview. Always has been. But there are things that he, you know, eh, Star Wars, when he wasn't working on Star Wars, really, uh, he he didn't he didn't really talk about it very much at all. Prequels, original trilogy, it was uh, it was it wasn't until he started hitting that convention circuit, as you say, that he started to really show his uh, his um, acceptance of his role within the whole thing and his value as someone who could f- provide us with 
untold history about the making of Star Wars and what it was like to experience all of that as as such an integral part of it all. So um so Mark Hamill, yeah, it, it's it's cool to hear him talk. I love how he says uh clunky dialogue. I didn't always get along with George, but I don't want to speak out of school. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, he says, you know, you don't want to talk outside of the family. Outside says, of the says, family. Yeah, I have issues it. with George, but 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 I love the man. Um, yes, yes. And it, why can't all Star Wars fans sum up their feelings about George Lucas? Well, imagine being, you know, imagine being those scumbags that put that movie out, the, the people versus George Lucas. And, and you get Mark Hamill there, right? And it sounds like Mark... He said he was almost in the movie. You know, Mark was actually being interviewed by these guys. They're rolling the cameras for all we know. At least he saw the questions. But it sounded like the premise itself was misleading at best. Yes, yes. During the making of that film. So he's reviewing the questions or they got the cameras rolling one way or the other. And uh, all of a sudden he realizes, whoa, this is some sort of hatchet job here on George. You know, he ruined my childhood, you know, just that, that kind of hyperbolic nonsense that you got from some of these people. Um, but uh, uh, Mark also talked about uh, what it was like, of course, to play Luke Skywalker again, said that it was quite terrifying and it, he almost never did it. Let's leave well enough alone. It had a beginning, a middle and end. The only thing we can do is come back and disappoint people. And I thought if they do another trilogy, it won't be, have us in it. It'll be all new characters. And so I was really frightened about it. I mean, I knew I couldn't resist the challenge, but I said, well, here's the thing. If it's not in solidarity with Harrison and Carrie, or Carrison as I call them, uh, then there's an escape route. Because if Harrison doesn't do it, that's my escape route. And I said, he'll never do it. He's too rich and too cranky. <laughs> he never want to do it. And, you know, he's sort of gotten this thing about Star Wars. He, he, he gets cranky about it because, you know, he has such a varied uh, resume. But once he said in the press that he was doing, I thought, well, I just got drafted. Because if I say no to this, these people are going to be outside my house like the angry villagers in Frankenstein with lightsabers instead of torches. I'll be the most hated man in fandom. So, I mean, I was shocked that I yeah, was in the last minute or so, but it was the best of both worlds because I could really sort of enjoy it. I was sorry I didn't get to reunite with the, the, any of the original characters, really. I only got to meet up with the, the new character. But um, I can enjoy it all without having the responsibility on on my shoulders so if it was terrible and everybody hated it i could say see it's not my fault (laughs) (laughs) so you you know there was a little bit of uh of uh safety in you know the diminished role at least the on-screen role uh that mark had in the force awakens you know he he exactly he could if it would have been awful he could have said well i was only in it for 10 seconds at the end but uh you know, what was interesting to me, Jim, about that clip is he said it was the moment when he heard Harrison talking about it in the mm-hmm. press. You know, yes. you and I, we were on the front lines. We were every week on this program. We were talking about, you know, what clues do we have? Are they coming back? You know, there was uh, uh, El Mayimbe, you know, and, and that, that whole thing, uh, you know, Harrison Ford, he's coming back. He's playing Han Solo. And is it happening? Is it not happening? And if, if, I, re- if I remember right, uh, Mark, or excuse me, Harrison was confirmed in the press before Mark Hamill was. Yes, he was. As a matter of fact, he was confirmed 
is uh, returning to Star Wars uh, by WGN's Dean Richards. Dean is a, a top-notch uh, entertainment reporter here in Chicago. Rebel Force Radio, of course, is affiliated with WGN Radio. We could be heard on uh, WGNplus.com. And uh, Dean was interviewing Harrison Ford as Harrison was out promoting 51, the Jackie Robinson wow, right. film. Mm-hmm. And I actually have the clip right here. This is uh, Dean Richards asking Harrison Ford about returning to Star Wars. And Harrison's response, if I remember correctly, sure sounds like a confirmation. Check it out. So is the old gang getting back together for sure for Star Wars now? There's so much written about this that nobody seems to know what's true and not. I think it's almost true. I think, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, uh, it's not in the bag yet, but I think it's happening. So most people did look at that as a confirmation when Harrison said, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, that's it. And then after that moment, Harrison shut up. He didn't say a damn thing about that's Star Wars. Right. That's right. So much so it actually became a, a bit when he showed up on uh, like uh, Jimmy Fallon and uh, mm-hmm. like that, where he would just, you know, keep his mouth shut and shake his head and, and everything. But um, <laughs> so that clip for, with Dean, that's just I mean, it's just short of a of a confirmation. He says, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to all get back together. And then he goes, it's not it's not done deal yet because it wasn't. Right. He knew he was speaking out of school because he didn't know. I mean, he, he maybe he knew that Mark was had not signed and there was just whispers that we were hearing i don't know if this was on the internet or not but that mark was the one the last one to sign the dotted line well he he almost i mean he all but admits it here he said he was waiting to see what was going to happen with carison as he Hmm. called him uh and so he was he was waiting he was waiting for them to confirm they were doing it and then he came in so uh I, I think, you know, Mark's no dummy. <laughs> he was waiting in the wings to see what was going to happen. And we're so, of course, we're thrilled. And, and you know, I was also heartened a little bit to hear him mention, you know, his disappointment of not actually having screen time, you know, with with the other two uh, in the film. Now, he can't talk about episode eight. We can only assume that he gets some screen time with uh, Carrie Fisher, uh, but we don't know. Maybe not. We don't know. They could still be, you know, separated by time and space mm. in episode eight as they were in episode seven. But uh, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that there's some screen time shared between the two of them. That would be great. Uh, you know, one person that would know, Jim, would be Daisy Ridley. <laughs> Daisy she knows all. Know. She would know. And if you guys have been following the action uh, online uh, is, is what is so Josh Gad, right? Josh Gad, very funny guy, TV actor, Broadway actor. Was he one of the original cast members of the Book of Mormon? And uh, but most audiences know him as the voice from Frozen, the voice of Olaf, the snowman. Um, he, he's doing a movie with Daisy Ridley. And it's a remake of Murder on the Orient Express. That's right. Old Alfred Hitchcock film. And uh, Kenneth Branagh is directing this. So they're doing this movie together. And there's this bit. I guess it's happening on Facebook, right? Is that where it is? Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, on uh, on uh, Josh Gad's Facebook page, 
if you go there right now. The first indication that we're dealing with a Star Wars fan, just like you and me, Jason, and everyone listening to the show, is Josh is uh, is his um, Facebook banner is the Millennium Falcon landing on Takadona right outside of Maz Kanata's castle. It's an artistic representation of that scene. So we know we're dealing with a real Star Wars fan here if he's putting up pictures on Facebook. So uh, Josh Gad, yeah, so he's co-starring with Daisy Ridley on this film, and they're hanging out in their trailers. Mm. And so according to Josh Gad's post on Facebook, he put in the uh, post itself, I invited Daisy Ridley to my trailer under false pretenses. <laughs> so she, uh, th- this uh, quick little video he shot of uh, Daisy shows her um, he's inside his uh, trailer. She knocks on the door. He opens the door. She's in a robe and has her hair up in a, a towel. And uh, so she's she looks fantastic, though. I mean, she's full makeup. She looks amazing. And she comes on to his trailer. And Josh cannot control his his impulses as a hardcore Star Wars fan with access to Ray. So uh, (laughs) so uh, hilarity ensues as Josh Gad, the voice of Olaf tries to get information about The Last Jedi from Daisy Ridley. Hey. Hey. hey you want to talk to me? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so glad you could come over. Come on in. So, uh, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I, um, you look great, by the way. Thank you. This, this really suits you. Had an important question to ask you, and I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. I just I meant to call you last night, and mm-hmm. it's about today's scene. Yeah. Um, who are the last Jedi? <laughs> We're not doing this, Josh. No, no, no. Like, because is it one or is it more than one? Because I need it in order to figure out what we're doing on the train today. I, I can't ask you about Frozen Two. So is it two. plural? I'll tell you that Olaf is in Frozen Two. <laughs> is it more than one Jedi? Is Josh. it ominous? Josh? It sounds ominous. Does, does something sound happen ominous, yeah. to you and Mark, or just Mark? <laughs> Are you a Jedi? Answer my damn question, Daisy. Josh? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to raise my voice. This is not what I need to start my day. Okay. I can't tell you, so okay. I'm going to leave, and we'll reconvene okay. when you're kind of done. Okay. Okay. Can we, just, can we do it tonight? Can we talk? Can we finish it? <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> I think my so, favorite part is that he he doesn't even call him Luke, he calls him Mark. He's yeah, like, does something right. happen to you and Mark? You and Mark. <laughs> he goes, I'm sorry, I raised my voice. And the temper of his delivery did not change at all. No. So he's he's hilarious. But but you you have to watch the video and watch closely because Daisy does not find this to be funny at all. And and Daisy, she is blessed and cursed by the world's greatest smile in my oh, opinion oh yeah i think Absolutely. i mean really she has one of the greatest smiles and when she's not smiling this is i mean that's that's her blessing but the curse is when she's not smiling you really notice it it's like where's <laughs> right. her world class where's but it's like but, a part I mean, of she, the sun you know the, the sunshine stops when she's not smiling Yes, but I certainly don't falter for being a, a peyote Josh uh, because, you know, she 
because she wants to tell him. She wants to tell everyone, but she can't. And she's going nuts for the next year, keeping it to herself. And then she's going to go through the same process between eight and nine. So, so some days, you know, she said, I don't want to start my day this way. And, and, you know, I mean, he might've caught her at, at a kind of a vulnerable moment. So people on the internet start talking. Right. Yeah, you know, because right, they like to do that. They like to do that. And and so they say, wow, Daisy was really frosted here at uh, the frozen <laughs> frosted with frozen. And right. uh, so Josh um, later uh, uh, in the week here, uh, he uh, puts up a, a follow up conversation with Daisy Ridley uh, where he tries to apologize for the sneak attack and. Uh, and uh, Josh admits in his post that uh, it didn't go well. I'm so sorry about last week. Mm -hmm. I felt like a jackass because people were like, don't you, you trap Daisy and that was unfair. And also, people thought I was super angry. I mean, I was a little bit, you know, like, yeah, but not angry. It was, it was, my, it was, but it was uncomfortable. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so I don't know if you had a chance to look yet, but um, Ken Brana, the director of our movie, well, you know, he wrote some sides for today that he wanted us okay. to go over so <clears throat> i thought maybe we would just have a go a quick go so I'll, i start off i say um who do you think is the murderer on the orient express the tr the train that we're on right now i don't know and then this is you you say i don't know but you're not asking the right questions mm -hmm. and then i say what would well what would you have me ask daisy or your whatever your character's name is and then you say <laughs> who are raised parents uh-huh am i a jedi right is Finn paralyzed from the waist down? Waist down. <laughs> and then you... And then it says you answer honestly. And then Ken's going to have the camera on you, and you can practice that now. Answer all my questions. All Ken's questions. <laughs> for our movie. Daisy, don't do this. <laughs> she walks out, and he just stops it. You, oh. an you answer honestly. Yeah, that's, that's the direction. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he wants to rehearse it with her. Right, of course. So she storms out. So here, now we, you know, if Josh Gad is truly a Star Wars fan, he will give us a trilogy of these conversations. Let's hope. So hopefully next week here on Rebel Force Radio, we'll have the uh, the final chapter of the Josh Gad, Daisy Ridley uh, sneak attack interview series <laughs> from the set of Murder on the Orient Express. But uh, fantastic. This, this is uh, really cool. And, and Josh Gad, Funny guy. Yeah, Fun very funny guy. guy. Yeah. Uh, and a big Star Wars fan. Rebel Force Radio. Rebel Force Radio. Rebel Force Radio. I do want to take a moment and thank one of our sponsors this week. Casper.com. I sleep on a Casper mattress. It was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. The typical shopping experience for a mattress is not pleasant. It doesn't make sense. You're making a huge decision based on a few minutes in a store and you don't have to do it anymore. There is a better way. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress. Comes at a shockingly fair price. Combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce, and I'm experiencing this nightly. Over 20,000 reviews. An average of 4.8 stars. My review's on there. It's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Here's one of the cool things about this. You get free shipping and free returns to the U.S. and Canada. You're going to try the mattress out for 100 nights. 
risk-free, okay? Compare that to five minutes in a store. So if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. And for those of us in the U.S., we love this. It's designed, developed, and assembled right here in the USA. You've got to check it out right now if you go to casper.com slash RFR and you use the promo code RFR. You're going to get $50 off the price of any mattress. Casper.com slash RFR. Use promo code RFR. Check them out. You're going to love it. And there's a lot of folks out there I know that, that, you know, you've been married for maybe 10 years or so. And you're like, why are we still sleeping on this hand-me-down mattress that your parents gave us? Come on, we need a new mattress. You'll really, really be pleased with the results. So once again, Casper.com slash RFR. Promo code RFR. And we thank Casper dot com for their support of us here at rebel force radio all right let's do it you ready we're gonna go in the cantina hope you're thirsty with ernie klein star wars star wars cantina where are you going master for a drink sorry about the mess you will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy we must be cautious I think we got him, Mr. Klein. Hello. Ernie. Well, we have him. It's just that we have he's him. not, uh, we're yeah. not hearing we him. We have he him. Hearing <laughs> yeah, right. We have him, but he doesn't have us. Yeah. Or maybe it's the other way around. We'll see. Let's see. Uh, maybe he just goes by Ernest now. So we Oh, maybe that's him. the magic word. We should say Ernest. Ernie. We should, yeah. Ernest. All the big headlines he's ragging up. Or maybe we say, we knew what? him when. There he is. Hey, can you guys hear me? He's coming hey! back from virtual reality. Oh, now he's success. In the <laughs> I swear, I swear it's the virtual reality gear that I have on my computer. I just got all these uh, drivers and everything I'm always updating and right. switching he- switching headsets is tricky. But now I'm here. How are you guys doing? Good, man. How Good. about you? I've been well. When yeah, is, when, when a, is Skype a... going to jump on the virtual reality bandwagon so we can have like a little hologram of you here? Dude, that's all happening right now. Uh, Facebook is working on that. They're having... Soon we'll just be able to do our podcast in the Jedi Council Chamber. We talked about this last time. We should yeah, already be doing that. It's, we we could, should be doing that. We could be. There's already virtual reality services. Do you guys have virtual reality goggles yet, either of you? I do not. I, I don't know where to start with this. You know, I, I have beer goggles, but they, <laughs> they seem to give me a different sort of uh, a different reality. <laughs> Jimmy, plenty of people put on the beer goggles, then they put on the virtual reality goggles. <laughs> oh, and they wow. have purple. They have double vision, like foreigner. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. No, well, like, like that's uh, that's what's crazy. This last Christmas was the first Christmas where people could get virtual reality headsets, and one of them, like the PlayStation Four, has a virtual reality headset now. So there's like a virtual reality section at Best Buy. Wow, so it's so it's often, so mainstream now. How often are you putting on the? Uh... The, the goggles and, and getting down and dirty. Uh, uh, every, every once in a while, I have friends. I live in Austin, Texas, and I have friends up in Ohio, two of them. One has an Oculus Rift and one has the, uh, the Vive, and uh, we get in virtual reality and hang out. And I've done interviews in virtual reality, but I don't spend every day in virtual reality. I, I'm, I, I spend it in reality writing about virtual reality <laughs> well, you know that, that's an interesting thing though true. ernie i and I, I wanted to ask you this because you know y- y- your book you know takes somewhat of a, a of a sober and somber look at virtual reality yet you in real life um definitely are enjoying playing in that world so is it is it one of those things where it's like if you can't beat them join them or is it because the, the you know the tool in and of well, itself 
how do you, how do you uh... Any, well, anything i mean anything lots of things are fun but a lot of people can do them to excess anything you can do to excess video games some people i know this is blasphemy talking to you guys some people overdo it with star wars some people take what? star wars too far <laughs> i know it's hard to believe yeah you can have too much of a good thing and that's how I feel about virtual reality. It's awesome, but I also know like it's going to be hard for some people. Some people can't stop with World of Warcraft or EverQuest. Right. Like right. They, that's already better than reality. So virtual reality, that's a. It's. A, I think a lot of people will get addicted to it. But that doesn't mean we should let us ruin it for you. I, for us, they, have you guys? There's the first Star Wars. Lucasfilm is doing all kinds of oh, virtual yeah. reality stuff. They had like a Star Wars. That's like the first thing they did with the Vive controllers was turn them into lightsabers. And you can have double lightsabers in virtual reality and uh, the fend off attacks on the Millennium Falcon. This was, I think, just came out. I don't know if the demo is available, but this is already – if this if this not going to get you in virtual reality, guys, uh, VR lightsabers, I don't know what is. Uh, I man, just, I, I just don't even know where to start. I mean, if, look, yeah. if, you, if, you, if there's someone out there, say it's Jimmy – uh, who's you know somewhere you know five ten years behind everybody else, techno- right. technologically speaking, uh, Jim's and, still uh, spinning the, r- the laser discs over there. Well, that goes without saying. <laughs> then uh, is he's rocking laser discs. He's rocking laser discs. I love it. He's heard about this new thing called video discs. He's really excited. I know, oh, those are it's the next level <laughs> of technology. Well, in all honesty, Ernie, though, I mean the extent of my gaming really is old-school cabinet arcade games. I go to this great arcade called Galloping Ghost Arcade. It's five minutes from my house. I go there all the time. They have Joust. They have Joust 2. Ernie, when you were in town uh, back in, I think it was summer 2015, I wanted to get you and take you over to this place, but you were just really in and out of town so fast. Yeah, I was going from one town to the next, and everybody wanted me to check out their local classic arcade. Uh, (laughs) Uh, and beat my ass, beat my ass at Joust so they could brag about But that's the thing, everybody wants to play me at video games like I'm a super ace, but I'm not. But I, do, you know, there are some games I'm good at, but I'm not, I'm not like a, a, an arcade hustler like Emilio Estevez or anything from the 80s. But, <laughs> but, virtual, but virtual reality uh, uh, is now as simple as getting the latest game console. I'm sure the next generation of the Xbox will uh like like the new playstation you'll just be able to it's like another controller that you plug in uh or set of controllers that you plug into your game console uh and then you just put it on and it tricks your eyes into seeing stuff that isn't there it's like what we always dreamed of uh you know ever since tron from the 80s but now you can get it and connect it to your playstation well, i think but it, it might be that the current battlefront game certainly the the next battlefront game will will definitely feature a lot of virtual virtual reality uh play i think yeah, and they can hack old games like Half-Life uh, 2 they changed into a VR game. Any game that kind of lets you look around with a mouse can be converted into virtual reality, which means like old like Star Wars games like Dark Forces and stuff you could uh, uh, upscale. And even like uh, the MMO Star Wars games. But there's going to be, I predict soon, there will be just Star Wars and virtual reality. Disney will set this up and you can just log on and you, hack, you know fly the Millennium Falcon and you know, uh, hang out in the cantina, uh, and all with other Star Wars fans. They'll just recreate all the all your favorite locations from every movie and keep expanding it, and then you can go. And we can do this podcast in the Jedi Council Chamber. That's all coming in the next few years. And even old men like <laughs> like us, we're gonna our uh, uh, our you know kids will be like. 
that, Star Wars, all of it in virtual reality. And they'll have that for Star Trek and Harry Potter. Kids will be able to go to Hogwarts in virtual reality for real. Like it's uh, they're already working on all this stuff and some of it's already already possible. So it's, that's it's gonna... amazing. I mean, obviously, you've got a, you've got a ton of passion for this stuff. What is your what, what so far? What's been the coolest like VR moment that you've you've had that's, that, that's, uh, that's PG rated? PG rated. I will tell you, I had a really uh, fun time uh, playing Disc Dolph in um, uh, one of the uh, online uh, uh, VR chat, where you could just walk around. And I could, I was walking around with two of my friends in Ohio who were each in their own homes, and we have little avatars that were maneuvering around a disc golf course, and we can just talk to each other. And you know, our avatars are kind of cartoonish, but we can. Uh, uh, I had like a leap motion controller so I could actually see my hands and use my hands in, wow. in VR. I could flip off my friends in Ohio through <laughs> virtual reality. I had d- did that as soon as I realized it was a possibility. But um, uh, but I felt like I was, you know, even though my friends were thousands of miles away, I felt like we hung out and played this, played this game together. It's like, uh, uh, you know, getting together to play Risk or something back in the day. And it was all through virtual reality. And I realized, like, these are guys that I grew up with in Ohio that I used to play Dungeons & Dragons with. And now you can play Dungeons & Dragons in virtual reality. You can sit around a virtual table and then have the actual, you know, game and stuff act out around you. It's a, it, This is a great time to be a it's, computer it's geek amazing. and a nerd. And, and, and a, yeah. Thanks for reminding me, uh, Ernie, that you grew up about uh, about 30 minutes, 20 minutes west of where I am. So, oh yeah, in, right. Uh, prime in tornado. Ashland, Ohio, man. It's true. That's prime tornado country. <laughs> there, I was in a tornado when I was a kid in Willard, Ohio. Uh, oh my gosh! Literally, literally tornado bait white trash. So, <laughs> uh, but now I am. But now I am in Texas. You go to and, Texas. Uh, that's also a prime tornado country, isn't it? I yeah. There's been uh, there hasn't been any in Austin. It seems like they happen more frequently in Tornado Alley up there. I think that's uh, Ohio's right in the middle of that. But down here they happen occasionally, but not not as much. But uh, well, anyway, know, we need to talk. We need to talk Star ahead. Wars because we haven't spoken to you since uh, Rogue One. I'm assuming you've seen it. I've seen it four times. Four in the times. theater, and I, you guys are going to get me worked up, and I'm going to have to go see it again. Well, it's <laughs> yes. Still now you're talking. On the big screen. I saw it once in IMAX. I did not uh, did not see it in 3D. Did you guys see it in 3D yet? I saw it in 3D on both a standard screen and IMAX. Standard oh. screen, I was not too impressed, but IMAX was absolutely a thrill. I mean, talk about being fully immersed. I really just was blown away by the absolute clarity of the image, which is something that I can't say about too many films I see screened in 3D. Usually the picture looks dim to me. The the 3D element sometimes gets lost in the mix somewhere, but I really felt with Rogue One, 3D IMAX was the way to go with this release. I thought they did a great job with it. Yeah, well, I haven't. Uh, that should be the next time I see it is once in 3D, and I'll get the shaky chair, which is the D-Box <laughs> yeah. theater chair shakes like uh, yes with the x-wing i'm a big Uh, (laughs) i've only done that twice i think once with that conan uh reboot but it like would make you feel like you're riding the horses in the movie it was it was kind of crazy it's a bit much you're like spilling your popcorn because your chair is (laughs) flying around but like how far have we come since 1977 where we got like a mono speaker and like pretty crappy projection but we still you know love every frame of it now we've got 3d with virtual reality and shaky chairs and uh uh and when we go see Star Wars, uh, and it's next level 
3D. I still prefer to see, I don't know, something about seeing Star Wars. I always kind of want to see just regular uh, 2D. Yeah, me too. Uh, me too. Of, yeah. 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 Um, but, man, yeah, I had so much fun with it. I, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I love, my love of Star Wars is so great. And it's like, you know what it reminded me of, guys, is all the times that you would make up your own stories with Star Wars with your action figures between, you know, uh, episodes four, five, and six, when mm-hmm. you were, uh, 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 that was all you had. You would, or based on the Marvel comics, but it's just like in all the old Kenner ads, just playing Star Wars in your backyard and making up your own stories about things that are hinted at in the movies or the comics, but uh, you never actually get to see on screen. And it was like Hollywood, uh, you know, and all the special effects, you know, wizardry that we have now, uh, uh, opening up that box of toys and making. You know, making the first paragraph of the opening crawl of A New Hope into its own standalone movie. I still can't get over that. Did you guys watch? Did you prime yourself with A New Hope? Did you watch it before or did you watch it after? You know, definitely you know, after. Definitely yeah, I watched after. it after. Yeah. I watched it after. Yeah. I mean, I've pr- I've been priming myself for 40 years, essentially. So I <laughs> didn't feel like I, I, I didn't feel like I needed to sneak in one last uh, viewing. But I got to tell you, Ernie, my uh, my overall experience watching A New Hope after Rogue One was profoundly freshened, refreshened, I should say, after seeing the film, because, I mean, it just added so much more into what was going on in Tarkin's head. You know yeah. where these are all coming from. You start to understand the, the the political backstabbing that's going on amongst the Empire and the power struggles. And, and most specifically with Tarkin, a lot of his dialogue carries new weight with it following Rogue One. It's true. Uh, you know, I had a crazy experience watching Rogue One, uh, too, because Ben Mendelsohn uh, is playing Sorrento, the bad guy, in the Ready Player One film. And I just met him this past summer uh, uh, in London and had to restrain myself the whole time I was talking to him to not geek out and ask him about being in a scene with Darth Vader. But it was so Rogue One was exciting for me on that level, knowing, you know, having seen him uh, uh, act on the set in Ready Player One and, and know from that what an amazing uh, villain he can be and also from the dark knight uh, uh rises he was uh kick-ass in that and it, it kind of everything he does but seeing him uh you know knowing he was going to get to act against both uh grand moff tarkin and darth vader can you imagine he, him you know being a star wars fan and growing up with it and loving it and then he's one day he's on stage and he's acting against you know Peter Cushing, who's not even around anymore. Right. You know, he, he's, <laughs> he's had some great he's had some great quotes in some of the interviews that he's done just about moments that he's just had to, you know, it sounds cliche, but just pinch himself that he's, you know, there on set with yeah. Darth Vader. He was almost giddy in some of those I know. scenes. So for being such a great villain, he is the the sweetest man and uh so talented and so like uh uh great in what I'm sure was like weird you know, acting circumstances because yeah. I doubt he's hearing James Earl Jones' voice on the set. Right, uh, right. You I'm know, sure not. Or, or, right, and he was acting up against another actor who was kind of standing in for Peter Cushing, right. whose name I don't remember, but he was like a an actor they kind of had who sta- stood there and then ended up having uh, Peter Cushing's face. How did, where did you guys come down on the? Uh, uh, well, I want to I want to ask you because you know <laughs> because of your interest in in virtual reality and where it's going. You know, this is, in a way, kind of a virtual reality where you're in a movie, you're watching a movie and there's an actor that's been deceased for 25 years uh, or almost 30 years. What, what are you what are your thoughts about that it's, from it, an ethical standpoint and just from a cool fanboy moment? 
well, it's interesting to see that technology evolve, you know, and George Lucas pushed, invented and pushed a lot of that technology uh, into existence in Star Wars. But now to see it, uh, see it make that leap from just doing aliens or dinosaurs or things that you don't see every day to making it try to do the actual uh, uh, human form and the human face and, and all the emotion that goes into that. And I remember the first time I think I saw them try to do that was in Tron Legacy when they made Jeff Bridges young. Uh, and uh, and the stuff inside the grid you could inside the computer you could argue was you know believable because that was all inside a computer anyway. But the real world stuff you're like oh man they haven't really cracked doing a a human or de aging someone uh, 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 in a movie yet. And I think that was like 2006 2007. I'm not sure which one Tron, uh, Tron Legacy was. But now seeing like how far it's come since then and it's almost. You know, I think some people were completely fooled, yeah, but some uh, I think, uh, yeah, but we all knew that Peter Cushing <laughs> was gone. So seeing him immediately, we're like, oh, how are they doing this? Yeah. And then that's, you know, I think when the Uncanny Valley kicks in and it's still, there's just something so tricky. It's so close to lifelike. And I think Carrie Fisher was on for, uh, you know, Princess Leia was on for so little screen time. I didn't notice it as much as her, her uh, the Uncanny Valley syndrome, but I did notice it with Peter Cushing. Just sometimes the eyes and all of it, you're like, oh, something's not quite right but still you're still, it almost I, looks know, too still... real i mean that, that's what i think some people were saying that there's almost like a too real look it's tricky to it. man yeah it's tricky and i remember no- noticing that with yoda you know the difference between the yoda uh, that we saw in empire and jedi and then the uh, uh episode one yoda which i still believe was a puppet and then when yoda went all cgi and they would do amazing things i remember in episode three when they made Yoda's ears kind of transparent and would also do a focus thing where like the ear that's far away mm-hmm. from you when he's in profile is a little bit out of focus to make it seem more real and noticing even that like things like the light like when Palpatine and Yoda are having their throwdown and the Emperor's throwing lightning at Yoda and you see it kind of reflect across his eyes. I remember seeing that in HD. I'm like, wow, Yoda looks yeah. real now. You yeah. know? I think it yeah, was uh, I, I think it was crystallized to me when when uh, our friend Clayton Sandell uh, with ABC, he did a great uh, expose kind of on you know how they did all of this for ABC News. And when he talked about, Jim, you may recall this, that there was a computer program that just handled the way the corners of the lips would stick together when the character was speaking. Like they actually had to write software to make that happen because without yeah. it, it seems very, you know, Muppet-like. So we don't and realize then, the- it. Yeah. The software yeah. became the software started to become self aware and and developed little balls of spit right there in the corner <laughs> of the mouth. <laughs> wow. like, oh, what is that? Yeah. Mung? What is that? What do, what do they call that? <laughs> that? By the way, that's the Ben Affleck. I don't know. I mean, I, if you ever if you ever go see a Ben Affleck movie in IMAX, you'll notice that he does get those little balls of spit there in the corner of his. Very distracting. Yeah. Great actor, happened, but very distracting. It, it happens to it happens to all of us. See, yes. if it was George Lucas, George Lucas would have ILM just. Airbrush that out. They'd be gone. Right. Cut out the spitballs. It's like the reflections of the crew in C-3PO's body. They would just hire somebody to go in there and slowly erase it from every frame. But But, uh, Ernie, you're you're an original trilogy, you know, generation guy. Uh, What were your expectations going into Rogue One? Because there was, you know, obviously, too, you know, someone who has been working in the entertainment business. You're familiar with how movies are made, clearly. Uh, the rumors of, you know, and the talk of all the reshoots and all of that, was that discouraging for you in those in those months leading up to the film? Were you skeptical? No. I like Gareth Edwards movies, and it was, you know, there's amazing people in, in running Star Wars at Disney now. It's like Star Wars has been 
and all the toys that come with it, and the whole universe has been handed over to people who grew up on it. And now, you know, uh, uh, it's the biggest, you know, greatest sandbox in science fiction. And now all these people who were influenced, you know, have had that handed over to them. And it's beautiful to see. It's like what you, you know, if you had those toys, like what you would want to do is make stories like this. Uh, I'm so excited for uh uh the han solo movie and all these standalone you know it's like the dream it's one of those things if you went you know there's a lot of things that my 13 year old self would not believe about <laughs> uh my mm-hmm. life now but uh that's one of them is that you know that these are the kind of star wars movies that we get and that we get one every year and that you know uh uh uh, I'm still giddy over the Last Jedi title reveal. I still yeah. get excited. I remember, I remember the Phantom Menace title reveal and like mm-hmm. talking about it with my friends every time. That's like such a great, you know, uh, uh, thing about Star Wars is uh, it's part of the key to happiness, you know, in life. I think is having something to look forward to, and Star Wars always gives you something to look forward to, especially now with, you know, uh, uh, how much of the universe we're getting, and uh, it. it um, uh, so yeah, that's how I felt about Rogue One. I'm you know like more Star Wars. How bad can it be? But. I was just blown away by how, you know, the attention to detail and the love and the cameo. I never expected to see Gold Leader and, you know, and, uh, and, and, and footage I had never seen before. And I've seen like all the, you know, special edition. Uh, I've seen like the, the extra footage they used in the holiday special. I thought I'd seen all the, you know, and I've watched all the extras on the Blu-ray, you know, uh, uh, on the Blu-ray set uh, of the – even the Wampa attack in Hoth Base. I've seen it all. I never thought I was going to see more – uh, a new hope footage, but here, here, and it was, uh, you know, um, put into a whole new story. I was uh, 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 reading online, I think today or yesterday about uh, people were talking about the attention to detail with wedge, like wedge uh, until he's still clearly there and at Yavin base and in around during the story. But, um, but when he sees the death star for the first time in a new hope, he says, look at the size of that thing. So it's clear that he's never seen it before. Mm. So that's why he couldn't be in the attack on, uh, on the first because uh, the Death Star showed up, so he would have seen it before. So he clearly wasn't there. Right. Um, and I think they brought Wedge back in Star Wars Rebels. Have you guys been watching? I haven't been. Oh watching. yeah, yeah, We've yeah, been watching. yeah, yeah, for sure. He, in fact, he, he made a little cameo in uh, last week's episode. Oh, that's awesome! See, and I, I wonder if those two are going to overlap. You know, Rebels will catch up with Rogue One, and then we'll find out where. Well, they have. Uh, they they heard- did a big two-parter with Saw Gerrera. In fact, Forrest Whitaker reprised the role. As awesome. yeah, so there's that. definitely some synergy going on. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, and they had the droid uh, showed up uh, at uh, uh, at the Yavin base from right. uh, Rebels. Chopper. I saw too. Yeah, just so much yeah. love, so much, uh, so many great little moments like that, and um, uh, callbacks. Just uh, the production design blew me away. The way that the uh, um, like the tanks and the uh, on Jeddah had kind of a '70s Star Wars feel to them, like something out of the animated. Uh, uh, you know, some of the production design reminded me of the animated cartoon in the holiday special, the first appearance of Boba Fett. Like some of it had that heavy metal production design feel to it, especially on uh, Jedi in the cities. And I love, you know, I'll never get tired of, you know, rebels fighting stormtroopers and like ass whipping going on. That was just so much fun. It was like what, you know, it's like you battling your action figures in the sandbox in the backyard in like 1981. Like it had that feel, but like with the best same with the attack, on uh, uh, Scarif at the end and the the shield battle and everything just had all the feelings of classic uh, Star Wars to me. And then Darth Vader. Yeah, I was going to ask, what did you think? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, uh, uh, 
uh, if that's what they went back and, and did reshoots for, it was worth every penny. I'm guessing somebody saw an early cut and is like, there's not enough Vader ass whipping, you know, with his lightsaber, angry Anakin Skywalker. You know, I was hoping we would see him on the beach, you know, with the ad-ats behind him, you know, like oh. uh, uh, just uh, laying waste. But it, it, what we got to see uh, was awesome. And I loved how it just led right up to the last, you know, the first few seconds of of A New Hope when, you know, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that will <laughs> save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. So I uh, I couldn't get enough of it. And, you know, the Vader... Like whenever I get the Blu-ray, that's probably the scene everybody's going to be rewatching over and over again. And Vader's getting to see Vader's castle, which you know you'd kind of seen, I think, in Expanded Universe, and that was based on Ralph McQuarrie drawings of Vader's castle, which is on Mustafar. How screwed up, guys! <laughs> is it, have you talked about this already? How screwed up it is that Vader gets has to camp out on Mustafar, where he thinks he killed his wife, like a hundred yards away, is where he choked out his wife and his we- his pregnant. <laughs> Life. That's a, that's we we have talked about this, and and we we've, we've come to the determination, and I believe that this has actually been confirmed by uh, story group people at uh, Lucasfilm. But that uh, Vader was sent to live on Mustafar. It was not his choice. The Emperor thought it would be a good idea to keep him grounded in his roots and never forget <laughs> where he comes from. Wow. So, uh, so send yeah. him to the castle, you know, and it was yep. just uh, it was just uh, absolutely uh, amazing to to go there and to see Vader in that Bacta tank. And, right. Uh, and how awesome does that make Luke in his Bacta tank in Empire? Ah, yes. Yeah. Like, right. Like uh, it's like a parallel uh, scene with the father and the son now, which didn't exist before. So much of it, like uh, that's the, what's great about a new chapter of Star Wars that that uh, and it's not like the you know, a uh, sequel trilogy that we're getting that takes place after all of that. This is like before everything that we knew about star Wars. So it's a whole different, and I don't know if we'll ever do another, you know, uh, I guess this is rogue one is technically a prequel. Uh, mm-hmm. right. and I don't know if we'll see more prequels. If they have any, like, have they, has anybody announced like story plans for anything else that takes place before? Well, the Han Solo film. Uh, oh yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, which I can't, you know, that's another thing that's genius about that is you, you picked up little bits and pieces of his um, uh, his backstory and history, you know, and I like devoured those Han Solo uh, adventure paperbacks that came out yes. uh, in the in the 80s. Oh, I love Star's those. End. Yes. Uh, and uh, uh, so like later on, they like Han Solo kind of <laughs> calmed down in his old age in the expanded universe. But like young Han Solo uh, and uh, the casting of Woody Harrelson. Uh, is uh so great as his mentor. I can't remember that character's name. Also from the expanded universe, and I think oh, also in the Garrus Shrike. Yes. Name. Yes. Um, yeah. Who like collected a bunch of like misfit kids or orphan kids and made them like part of his like uh, uh private st- uh, strike team. Um. So that'll be uh, uh interesting. I think. Uh. Did you see there was somebody I posted online a, a picture of Harrison Ford. Uh, and what's the name of the actor who's uh, taking over Alden that role? Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, they were having coffee together in like a Starbucks, talking about playing yeah. Han Solo. Uh, that you just imagine being so the barista happy. in that Starbucks, <laughs> right? Two Han Solos. Uh, there was, you know, that which makes me think of that photo of um, uh, Dirk Benedict, the old Starbucks, hanging with uh, 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 Katie Sackhoff, the new Starbucks in Starbucks. So there were two Starbucks in Starbucks. Have you seen this photo? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
I, I think I did see that. Uh, yeah, Star, Starbuck meets Starbuck at Starbucks. <laughs> right, and they're both smoking cigars. It was beautiful. That's the whole reason the internet exists, is to bring joy like that uh, to us. Speaking of, which, how awesome was it see, to see, like, uh, Panda Baba and Dr. How do you pronounce it? Evazan? Evazan? Yep, yep, that works. Yeah. Oh, dude, like just that. And it was like, I always thought that was the worst makeup job in Star Wars was that guy's face, like in his nose. I was like, wow, they just sent, they just, they didn't even finish. They just go out. You look great. You're somebody. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the worst plastic surgery in the galaxy was what he had. But they recreated it perfectly. Uh, uh, and those guys, too, like, those are just like the jerks of the Star Wars universe. That's what they're doing on every planet. No wonder, no wonder he has the death sentence on twelve systems. Right. He's an asshole. That's his in stick. all of them. He's <laughs> 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 just bumping into people in alleys. Like you, you want to throw down? Like uh, that's why he's the, his rap sheet is just all him <laughs> being a jerk. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. But there were so there were. It, it seemed like there were just so many uh, uh, moments like that. Even you know, I, I thought. Uh, uh, I was waiting for this R2 and C-3PO because you knew they couldn't like that's I think that's a rule they wouldn't break I know they didn't have an opening crawl but uh, it's a Star Wars movie and you got to have R2 and C-3PO and uh, uh, so I spent you know and that came kind of late I it was like waiting for the Alfred Hitchcock cameo when it finally came but it made me uh, 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 but it made me happy and reminded me of all the Star Wars games that I've played video games where you're at the Yavin base with R2 and uh, C3PO that that's you know wh- uh, what I how I feel about Rogue One is a little bit how I feel about all the great Star Wars video games of the 80s 90s and the aughts where you could you know uh, play out these other chapters and uh, and among them stealing the Death Star plans that was across like three or four different Star Wars video games was stealing the Death Star plans so that's like an adventure that you know I'd already gone on in video games and now getting to see it kind of happen in the cinematic universe in you know, in what's canon uh, was great, and seeing ad ads on the beach, and you know, all <laughs> of this, you know, those like it's like because uh, we've never seen ad ads in any other environment. It was crazy, and just spotting yeah. like the Imperial probe droid in the city on Jeddah, which you see for two seconds, and a Wampa. Did you guys spot the Wampa? No, there's a Wampa wandering around uh, Jeddah City. Uh, I could swear, giant. He's got a giant backpack on, but I'm pretty sure it's a snow beast from Hoth. Are you uh, could be thinking about that? That thing, it looks like a mix between a Wampa and a Wookiee, and he's a member of Saw Gerrera's team, character named Moroff. And uh, he was he was actually supposed to be a bigger character in the film. Um, he was originally known as his, uh, by the name of Senna, S-E-N-N-A, and uh, his, uh, his character just got diminished to a background character. But he was actually supposed to be much more of a player on screen in the film uh, during the concept stage. Okay, I see, and I think this is just somebody that I saw very briefly. I'm googling Wampa in Rogue One right now <laughs> to see if I'm correct, but uh, I think or try I, or try googling Moroff, M O R O F F. That might have been who you saw because right. we saw him when we first saw him. We thought he was a Wampa as well. We did. How do you spell Moroff? How do you spell Moroff, Jimmy? M O R O F F. All right. Yeah, you're right. It's the same character. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Now I'm seeing a detail because you only see it in briefly. That's a cold trick, guys, to make me think I was seeing a Wampa. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm, in I'm, I'm, City. Both, I'm proud and and very disappointed in myself for revealing. <laughs> it. But, uh, but, uh, but we no, we uh, thought he was he was definitely uh, a Wampa, at least or maybe part Wampa, like on his father's side. 
Right, right. So, uh, uh, did you ever see the McKenzie Brothers movie Strange Brew? Oh, How many yeah. times? Five hundred <laughs> times. So, a friend of mine uh, uh, on Twitter, uh, Sir Arcade, he uh, pointed out on this poster for Strange Brew is all those uh, um, stormtrooper-looking guys in black hockey uh, armor. Yes. Uh, who are on the poster? And he he claims that would be the first appearance of the uh, dark troopers that we see in Rogue One is actually in Strange Brew, and it's right on the right on the poster. And if you look at it, it's the same. If you compare the dark troopers who uh, uh, in uh, Rogue One, they look very similar to those guys in Strange Brew. So yeah, you know what? I seem to remember, and I'm not kidding, guys. When when Strange Brew uh, that came out in '83, and so uh, that was still you know within the uh, the window of the original trilogy, uh, you know right after uh, the same summer as Return of the Jedi, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And and I seem to recall, Ernie, that those masks that those troopers are wearing in Strange Brew, those right. were those were those helmets. You could actually buy those. At the toy store, you know, just right out, you know, right over the counter, you would have that mask. And I remember seeing Strange Brew going, oh, my God, they're wearing those knockoff Darth Vader helmets or whatever they were back in the day. Oh, uh, yeah. I I wonder if anyone actually still has one of those in their collection. And another Star Wars connection to Strange Brew is, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and this is probably the only one, the only other one I'll be able to give you, um, is uh, Angus McGinnis, who plays uh, Gold Leader in uh, Star Wars and in Rogue One, was Rosie the Rose, Jean LaRose, the hockey player that uh, Bob and Doug idolized. And uh, that was him. That was him. That was actually Gold Leader (laughs) Angus McGinnis. And uh, yeah, I didn't know this until in uh, 2002, I uh, went to uh, Star Wars Celebration in Indianapolis, Celebration 2 with my brother Bill, who is a movie trivia nut. And uh, we were in the autograph hall actually conducting interviews with a lot of the actors. And we talked to Angus. I don't think we ever got the chance to really talk to him on mic. It was more just sort of small talk in the back of the hall. But uh, my brother said, hey, Rosie the Rose. Okay. And boy, Angus just loved knowing that someone in that convention center recognized him (laughs) from Strange Brew. Oh, you're right. It is him. Holy, holy, holy (laughs) shit. That's something I didn't know. That's why I love talking with you guys. I even I learned things I didn't know about Star Wars. Uh, uh, that was that's what's. But there were you know like they flat out referenced Jedi in Strange Brew. He when he's he's doing the Darth Vader thing when they're when he's wearing the dark uh, the yes. black like, hockey armor. He's like you saw Jedi seventeen times, eh? That's you, right. Yeah. Uh, hey, he's, doesn't he doesn't he grab the beer bottle and talk into it and pretend he's like Vader and he talks? He grabs the empty beer bottle, talks into it to give him that sort of resonance or reverb, and he's like, "I'm your father, eh?" Yeah, wow. <laughs> I have not sun. seen that in Angus, such a long time. You know, I, I realize, Jimmy. Now, Angus McGinnis is in that scene. Look, Rosie LaRose is in that scene, and he's they're making Star Wars references in the scene with the guy who was in the original Star Wars. And I bet they're doing it because they knew he was in Star Wars, and it was like a big deal to have a Star Wars actor in their Canadian independent film. I don't know. <laughs> I bet he mentioned. Wouldn't he mention? Hey, you guys are doing Star Wars jokes, and I was in Star Wars. And I bet Bob and Doug. Uh, Rick Moranis uh, and Dave Thomas lost their lost their minds. They're like, we got to put some Star Wars references in the scene. We, I don't know if uh, you might have to edit out this whole extended Strange Brew. Oh, not at all. 
of Star no, Wars. No, uh, this is this is important. This is our pop culture segment <laughs> of the show, uh, where we're doing Star Wars and pop culture. I actually found the the cut. This is Angus McGinnis with Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas, Bob and Doug McKenzie from Strange Brew. Here's the the, the actual Star Wars reference. Are you okay? You okay, Jose? I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you now. <laughs> he saw Jedi 17 times, eh? Beauty. <laughs> Give in, Give in to the dark side, you knob. <laughs> Beauty. Oh, man, I was a, a strange brew. Uh, uh, and, McKen- and McKenzie Brothers fanatic. I had their album, which they did a... I'm a big Rush fan, and they did a single with Rush, Take Off yes. to the Great White North. <laughs> it was like a number yes. one in Canada. And uh, uh, but Strange Brew, I just thought was was hysterical. Their little science fiction movie, the uh, uh, the mutants of twenty fifty one A D or whatever that they're. Sh- uh, uh, well, don't get me started. Uh, you already have <laughs> on Strange Brew, and now I have to go rewatch it because I had no idea that Gold Leader uh, was it Red Leader? Or, yeah, it was not. It was Gold, Gold Leader. Gold, Gold Leader. Leader. Yeah. Uh, wow, without his mustache, is Rosie LaRose. Wow, that's like six degrees. You should do like six degrees of. Uh, uh, the Battle of Yavin or something where you have to connect everybody to, but, um, but yeah, oh, but dude, that was so much fun seeing X-Wings attacked like another shield. And, uh, if I find it interesting, like, I love how they explain, you know, that they're going to shoot, shoot the Death Star twice, but they're not, they're not going to, uh, use its, um, uh, uh, display its full power. How does, how does, uh, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin describe it in A New Hope, uh, uh, the full, uh, op- uh, this fully operational battle station. Yeah, the, fully the full armed. Po- it, fully <laughs> yeah. He's going to, uh, so, so they couldn't show its full power like they do in A New Hope, so they just kind of have to show it at half power. And it's interesting how he's he's doing that uh, uh, to kind of maneuver with Krennic. Uh, that's fun, too. That used to happen a lot in the old Star Wars comics, I remember, kind of like political officer maneuvering, and it was cool to, uh, to see that. And it was cool to, you know, have the uh, weakness in the Death Star explained so people quit complaining. People who pick apart everything and explain how easy the Death Star was to destroy, even though only Luke Skywalker was still able to do. It wasn't a very big weakness, but now we know it was built into the the Death Star. I always thought it was pretty hard to destroy the Death Star. I thought that was impressive that that he pulled it off. But now it's, you know... Well, it's uh, one in a million. It's a one in a million shot, yeah. right? Not now, not now. It was like a fuse, and all like Luke <laughs> had to do. These other guys, <laughs> when Red Leader made his run, he really it was just light the fuse, man. This is easy. This guy set this thing to blow. Uh, but uh, I don't know if it was a it was a design weakness, like a thermal exhaust port right below the main port that's like not much bigger than two meters. I don't know, man. <laughs> like how you if you're gonna make this thing self destructible, how about a better switch? Than you know something that only the son of you know Anakin Skywalker can hit. How about that? Well, uh, what is you know I never thought about this until you said the line though. Right underneath the main port. What's the main port? <laughs> I don't know. The uh, uh, the main port is the one they should have hooked the fuse up to. It's right. Uh, it's right uh, above the <laughs> sub port. The, the main, yeah, it's yeah. four. It's actually four meters wide. Yeah. So it's, it's a see, much bigger target. This is why you see like Han Solo and Chewie at the back of the briefing room uh, on Yavin 4 when they're, they're briefing all the guys looking at the Death Star plans. Like, yeah, you got to hit this tiny <laughs> little port down here, and uh, we and it's ray shielded, so you got to use uh, yeah, torpedoes. Han says, "Rolling his eyes back there." <laughs> like, like this yeah. is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like none of you guys, because he doesn't believe in the Force. He's like, "Oh, maybe if you use the Force, you can hit that." Shit. 
but right. no other no other way. Right. I mean, you, you you bring up a good point that uh, I mean, right. really, what was what was Galen Erso gaming at? He just knew that there was going to be somebody with right. this other world ability that's going to come in and do that. You that's know, a but, fine that's a fine line to walk, though, right? You're building a weakness in the Death Star, but it can't be too big of a weakness. Nobody else can spot no one it. Can notice this? It's going to yeah, have to be a Jedi. With, uh, yeah. <laughs> So it can't just be a big, can't just be a big red button. It says self destruct. Well, the, you like, know they the, do they do call for Obi Wan pretty quick. There, she's like, I think you need to call your friend. She says that yeah, to Bail Organa. Right, yeah, the one, the, the poor bastard who has been <laughs> aging in the desert, like uh, three times doing, the rate of a normal human. Right, like just practicing his uh, sand people sounds or whatever it was he was doing <laughs> for eighteen years. Like while he's is he what's he doing? Going to like swap meets on on Tatooine. That's the TV show I want to see. Is like Obi Wan Kenobi stuck on Tatooine, <laughs> like uh, watching Luke from afar. I guess they've started your swap meets, man. Up. You're really showing your Ashland, Ohio roots there with those. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured I would have it. Tatooine's kind of rural. You would think they would have right like a. <laughs> Like a swap meet, yeah. a city-wide or, garage sale. Or they, they could do a show like Storage Hunters, where they're all bidding on a storage bin, like Obi Wan and a bunch of Jawas are standing <laughs> right. there, and it's Watto, and Watto's <laughs> outbidding everybody. Oh, yeah, right. credits! <laughs> I'll give you five hundred. <laughs> what are you doing? Five hundred? You're jacking up the bids. Come on, Obi Wan's <laughs> just standing there trying to use a Jedi mind trick. No one's looking at him. Well, Ernie, oh. you gotta you gotta know we got uh, we're gonna have a cameo. Well, probably more than a cameo of uh, Obi Wan in Rebels. He's gonna be face oh, yeah? to face with Darth Maul again pretty soon. Last time we saw we saw a little clip. Uh, they did a trailer for the back back half of uh, season three, and you, you see him on Tatooine roasting uh, weenies over a fire. <laughs> right. Yeah. Go on his way to swap me. Right. Like, right. Hey, yeah. I gotta eat this quick. Yeah. Lot of swap me just. <laughs> Happening at, uh, if there's, in Los Espa. If there's a God in the universe, we will get that TV show. Watto Swap Me. <laughs> Starring Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, who's doing the voice for him on Rebels? Mm. Do we know? Actually, it's, oh. it's, it's Stephen Stanton. Yes. Oh, right on. Who That's was, awesome. Uh, who is Tarkin in Clone Wars and also Rebels. Uh, and he does, uh, he does a fantastic uh, Alec Guinness era Obi-Wan. So uh, how great is it? Once again, how ripped off were we as Star Wars fans growing up in the 70s? You know what Star Wars cartoon we had? It wasn't like (laughs) computer generated. It wasn't like however many seasons of Clone Wars followed by immediately by, you know, by Rebels. Like we had like a I think like 11 minute cartoon with Boba Fett on the holiday special and then droids. Which was pretty good. Droids had some often. Did you guys ever watch Droids cartoon? Sure. Oh, yeah. Like praying for somebody to have a blaster. Is somebody going to have a blaster <laughs> this episode? Or are, is it going to be like I mean, Scoop let's, let's be honest. Droids was basically Star Wars minus everything cool about Star Wars. I mean, really? Was it, <laughs> right? was it, it was that just, it? It's just R2 and C3PO bickering, you know, while uh, stuff happened in the background. But you were drawn to it every week for a year, hoping that something cool was going to happen. Like, there was always that hope. 
and you didn't really know as kids, like, is this before Star Wars? Is it like when the hell is this happening? <laughs> right. There was no talk of canon back then, you know. But at least there were robots. At least there were robots. It wasn't like the Ewoks cartoon. I right. even I was not waiting through the Ewok cartoon <laughs> to see if somebody had a blaster. No one's gonna have a blaster. No. It's just no. gonna be all Ewoks all the time. <laughs> to this day, I have not seen a single episode. Of that show. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. on. I do. No, I, I swear to you. I do never love, sat down. Pretty I do Jimmy. love the theme song. I love <laughs> the theme Pebbles, song, though. Of course. I, Jimmy had a big bowl of Fruity Pebbles and he watched some Ewoks two episodes back to back and now he's denying it. I, I tell you what, You're Ernie, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. The, the, the uh, Muppet Babies episode where they reenact Star Wars is better than any episode of Droids or Ewoks. Right, and you can't get that. Like they never released that on DVD or Blu-ray because of all the footage oh, from the different. Right, shows. I know, man. I I've been waiting for that Muppet Babies box set for a long time. I think I'm going to keep waiting. Get, boot, get bootlegs of it at conventions and on the yeah. inter- interwebs and stuff. Yeah, I'm not but, above uh, that. I'm not above. That. Oh, but dude, I would watch, dude. Anything that had any relation to Star Wars, like in the 70s or 80s, you would watch. Like I remember watching. Uh, uh, the Muppet Babies, just because they would show Star Wars footage sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I think there was a Tie Fighter in the opening credits. That's right, of the Muppet That's Babies. Right. I'd watch just for that Tie Fighter, and then I'm like, oh, maybe they'll show some more Star Wars footage. There was a crappy movie that was on HBO like a, a million times a day called The Pirate Movie, which was like a movie with Chris McNichol and uh, Chris Atkins. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, was the physical remake of the Pirates of Penzance. There was one scene where he like reaches for his sword and uses the force and it glows like a lightsaber. I would watch it oh just for that. God. Just for that like five <laughs> seconds. Uh, this, Star Wars isn't on. I don't have, you know, this is before VCRs, but this, this one scene references Star Wars. So I'll watch this horrible, this you whole know, movie. I, 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 had this, I had this flashback. I was watching my son. He's four. I was watching him play with a bunch of uh, Star Wars figures the other day and he didn't really know I was watching him and I had this flashback where I could re- I can remember it had to have been like 1987 1988 I was down in my basement as a kid playing with my Star Wars figures and it was I had I had just seen a bunch of Power of the Force figures at KB Toys marked they were like on clearance for a half price right this was the end man this was the end and this thought crossed my mind as a kid thinking, you know, because none of my friends were really into Star Wars anymore at that time. And I'm down there. I'm having adventures with my action figures. And I'm like, this is all over. I actually had this thought as a kid, 10 years old, this is over. Like, there's, there's no more Star Wars. <laughs> Ever. Ever. It's never going to yeah. happen. And, and now, you know, here I am watching my four-year-old play with toys that I never even could have imagined as a kid. And I love what you talk about, you know, Ernie, the way you cause sort of frame Rogue One is that it's this it's this almost uh, it's, it's this coming together of all these great creative people in and playing with the coolest toys ever. Right. You know, and putting it yeah. together. But as far as, you know, looking back at it now uh, and you've seen it four times as as part of a of a meaningful chapter of the Star Wars saga. Where does it fit in for you? Is it is it more than just sort of this nerdgasm, or were you really glad to see these characters uh, rounded out and you know, new characters entering into the uh, you know that very important era of the Star Wars saga? I, you know, uh, 
uh, it, that's hard to say uh, where it fits into Star Wars for me now because it's like a unique thing, right? It's outside mm-hmm. of the the three trilogies. Even Force Awakens, it stands apart from uh, uh, the sequel trilogy for me in that it's the first standalone movie, which I, you know, I guess we'll get at least one, two, who knows how many uh, more of those. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It's like, um, I don't know, but it's not, I, 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 I I'm still wrestling with Star Wars that's not created under the, you know, with George Lucas at the helm as like, is that real Star Wars or is it this post Star Wars, you know, era where it's been handed over to the fans or the children of Star Wars, people who love Star Wars and it shows in the new Star Wars that they're making. But is that, you know, it's still you have to, you know, respect it as as part of the Star Wars universe and a continuation of that story, even though it's not. By the creator, it's kind of like those Tolkien books that Christopher Tolkien, right. J.R. Tolkien's son, like yeah. put out, or yeah. even like you, you can view it as the expanded universe, which I love. When there was no other Star Wars to have, I love the expanded universe and the Timothy Zahn books. You know, I thought of those sure. as you know the sequels until there were you know well, film. Film sequels. Just wait till you have kids someday, Ernie, and and they write a prequel <laughs> to Ready Player One, and people are going to be like, I don't know if this is legit. Really? I have a daughter. You know. <laughs> I have a daughter, and she's forbidden. She's not going to want to write a sequel to her old man's uh, uh, book. But uh, I have a, a nine-year-old. She's in third grade, and she uh, uh, she got into Star Wars for a little bit when there was a Star Wars Angry Birds crossover. I had hope that oh, she was yeah. going to. She's familiar with all the characters and everything, but it's, you know, Minecraft and other and video game related like Mario and stuff is more her her jam right now. But uh, you know, I hold out hope. So someday Angry Birds was her gateway drug into Star Wars. Oh my Wars. god. No dude, kidding. it was a banner day. She was like three years old or something and Angry Birds Star Wars came out and it was just a banner day in my life because my daughter's obsession with Angry Birds had collided with Star Wars. And so now all the Angry Birds levels and stuff were Star Wars uh related. It was just one of those moments right. where yes, Star Wars once again has has saved the day. You know, we were talking before about Jimmy was you mentioned how like going back and watching A New Hope um, uh, after you had seen Rogue One, it gave you yes. fresh eyes. That's so true. Right. What I yes. noticed in several shots, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing to notice, but in several shots in Rogue One, I remember seeing this whole wall in the Death Star control room that kind of looks like parts of it are from a TV studio in the 70s, but other parts yeah. of it, like all this stuff put together, there's a whole – on the right side of the screen, there's a whole giant wall of little silver dials that I had never noticed in A New Hope. You know, I'm like, oh, but that looks like meticulously recreated from something in A New Hope. And then when I watch New Hope, I'm like, oh, my God, there are all those dials that I never noticed at the far right of the frame. And they clearly rebuilt, like with love and detail, you know, all these sets that were constructed once, you know. Uh, uh, back in, you know, 1976, and then they had to recreate them from, you know, the video evidence of what there was and whatever, you know, production photos were taken at the time. And it was all just seamless. Like, it looked like it could have, you know, it felt like the Star Wars universe. And that was like one of the, you know, uh, one of the joys of watching Rogue One, like new Star Wars and events kind of happening around things that you're familiar with, but like a section of the Star Wars universe that you never got to see uh, before. But um, but also that warm blanket of classic, you know, late 70s Star Wars, which even by Empire had started to change to like 80s Star Wars. You know, the slight difference <laughs> yeah, between yeah. Oh, yeah. like a new hope, you know, and the holiday special, we'll say. And the uh, uh, but then 1980, even like the hairstyles and stuff became more 80s for Empire uh, and Jedi, even though I guess Empire was probably shot in 79 or was it? 
It came out in May of 80, so they must have shot Yeah, they were of... shooting in 79, but, you know, it, it never got so egregious as to, you know, Chewie's feathered locks in Return of the Jedi. Like, <laughs> right. That and flock the... of seagulls look that he had going on. I love that. I've actually <laughs> been trying to cultivate that look myself lately. Right. That's what I thought when I when in Empire. Uh, I guess it was in uh, episode two when Yoda had those big like lamb chop sideburns <laughs> that he was rocking, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is like Yoda." You know, uh, Yoda's the one who started the sideburn style that you, you know existed in the original trilogy. You know what the most seventies Star Wars uh, uh, pop culture crossover ever was? Did you ever see the episode of Donnie and Marie? That's, oh god! Oh, yeah. Star Wars. Oh my god! With Chris Christopherson as Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, and Paul yeah. Lynn. Oh, yeah, dude. And Paul Lynn is, isn't he Tarkin? Isn't Paul Lynn Tarkin? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's an imperial I think, officer. I don't oh, think they knew enough to call him Tarkin, but right? he was an was imperial like, officer. Right. It was like an episode of Hollywood Squares, like uh, in the Star Wars universe. And uh, with, they got R2 and C3PO. And I don't know if that was Peter Mayhew doing Chewbacca in the Donnie and Marie. I think it was, yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, but uh, what was crazy about that is that it's a brother and sister, Donnie and Marie Osmond, playing Luke uh, and Leia. Before we knew they were brother and sister, I remember at the time being creeped out. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> a brother oh, and sister, you know. a brother and sister should yeah. be playing little Luke did and Leia. little did you know if you thought yes. that was creepy. Like, later, <laughs> 1980, my world would be. I guess no, you don't like, know everything about women, right? Our brothers turn us on. <laughs> I, wow. I, still held, I still held out hope. I guess it was 83 when Jedi came out, so I could hold out hope until then that maybe uh, 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 Luke and Leia would get together. See, that's the thing. Up until Jedi, there were fans who were like, Han Solo is a jerk. You know, Princess Leia mm. should end up with Luke. I bet there were people going into Jedi who were like, man, this is going to be it for Luke Skywalker. I think finally he's going <laughs> to win Princess Leia over. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, right. This is the moment. Uh, and, and, you know, it was so funny that, you know, reality was imitating art, too, because you had Carrie Fisher and, and Harrison Ford, you know, having a, having a fling. And I think Mark Hamill has gone on record uh, about, ha- you know, having a huge crush on Carrie Fisher during the filming. So yeah. even, <laughs> oh, even then, even even then. In, both in, in the movie and in reality, <laughs> Han Solo cock blocking Luke Skywalker. He's like, like come on, I swung you across the chasm. What are you talking about? This is, you know, yeah. we've all had that girl in our life, you know, that's, that's gotten away. And it's like, you tried everything. Yeah. And thank God it didn't work when you find out later. <laughs> that was actually when the DNA test revealed. Yeah. Right. Oh, hey, Ernie, I, I want to go back with you, because as long as we got you on the line, you, you reminded me of something uh, earlier in the conversation when you were talking about the pirate movie and how the sword would light up and uh, it was like a lightsaber to you, right? Yeah, cut that out. I'm embarrassed to even admit that. No, now. no, it's, it's, it's too late now because I'm, I'm bringing it back. <laughs> not only not only am I not going to cut it out, I'm going to bring it back. All right. But you, you made me think about this movie from the 80s, and I think it's the Chevy Chase Benji film, Oh, Heavenly Dog. Oh, whoa. That's a deep cut. That, that's a deep cut. Yeah, 1980s. <laughs> and, and while we were talking, I had to research this a little bit because you reminded me of a scene, and I think it's from this film, but I can't confirm it. I thought maybe you could. But the premise behind the film is Chevy Chase plays a murder detective, and he must avenge his murder once he is reincarnated as the dog Benji. Okay. So he comes back to, so, but I remember at one moment when he's up in heaven 
And uh, St. Peter, whoever there is talking to him, Chevy Chase is in heaven and he's talking to St. Peter or somebody. And there's this like graph board behind St. Peter. And instead of using like, um, uh, what would you not a baton, but uh, like, uh, you know, when you're 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 at a lecture and the guy's got the the stick. What do you call that? Oh, yeah. The um, uh, it's a baton. Yeah, it is a baton. Yeah, it is a baton. So instead of a baton, though. The 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 heavenly angel hits this button and a lightsaber emerges <laughs> and he looks at Chevy Chase and I haven't seen this since 1980 if it's the right movie but he looks at Chevy Chase and goes we got this from Star Wars and I was like <laughs> yes and it's toward the beginning of the movie and so the angel tells Chevy Chase about how he's going to be returning to Earth as a dog and um, this happens like in the first 15 minutes of the movie and I remember after the film ended I stayed in the theater to see the beginning of the next screening just so I could catch that lightsaber <laughs> <laughs> that's see, how awesome lightsabers were and, and, and how desperate want. we were at the same time all these <laughs> kids you know growing up where Star Wars has just been like you know a you know, at the tap, you just go and you turn the water on and the, here comes more Star Wars. It wasn't always like that. No. Well, I no. can't confirm. So, Ernie, I was wondering if there's any way you could confirm that that pop culture nugget. It doesn't sound like you'd be able to. Who's actually seen Oh Heavenly Dog since 1980? I, you know, wait, I, I have not seen Oh Heavenly Dog since 1980. I do remember another Chevy Chase movie called Modern Problems where he kind of gets – like toxic waste build on him and he gets the force. He can like use his mind to like levitate uh, uh, objects. He has telekinesis. So I would watch Modern Problems just because it was like Chevy Chase as a Jedi, but not really. <laughs> and that came out the year after. Modern Problems came out in 81. This oh, is- Heavenly Dog. So if, if anyone's looking for a really wacky twist on Star Wars this weekend, give yourself a Chevy Chase double feature. Check out Oh Heavenly Dog to see if I'm right about that lightsaber moment. And then watch Modern <laughs> Problems for Chevy Chevy, Chevy Chase gets toxic waste dumped on him and becomes a Jedi. So And then and then followed up with Strange Brew for your trifecta yes. of obscure 80s movies that have one Star Wars reference in them <laughs> and that we would wait for. Uh, uh, this is the only podcast in history ever to mention a uh, Star Wars podcast to like try tie together Strange Brew, Oh Heavenly Dog, and Modern Problems. Well, that's why, people, broken, that's that's why, why they people keep, tune in. They keep coming back week after week. <laughs> yeah, yep. because right. we we go we drill down as far as you can go into the Star Wars universe. This is it. This is bedrock right here. Is, is Strange Brew and and Oh Heavenly Dog? I think I think. Uh, Jim, you should do like sort of the reverse Star Wars influences show where it's not what influenced Star Wars. It's what uh, what Star Wars influenced, starting with some of those gems. Ooh, yeah. Or, a bizarro yeah. influences. That's what we'll be bizarro doing. Bizarro influences. That's why Battlestar Galactica was so great when that came on. It was even the same special effects team. I think there was lawsuits about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, just being a blatant ripoff of Star Wars and all the special effects people from Star Wars yes. being hired to do Battlestar Galactica, but I didn't care. It was like Star Wars TV show, uh, and clearly, like one led to the other. But I, you know, I, that was something that I loved in the '80s. Is when uh, a really popular movie would come out, and then they would do a TV show ripoff <laughs> of it. Do you ever remember, like when Tron came out, and then they came out with this show called Auto Man, which Auto was just clearly Man. Chuck Wagner, man, wasn't that? I know. It was a Tron ripoff. Right. That was the biggest Tron ripoff of all. They're like, oh, we can do this with video effects, and uh, we'll just we'll have him be. It'll be a cop show with Tron. <laughs> uh, 
that's my synopsis of Ottoman. But anyhow, they would do that. They did it with War Games. When War Games was a big hit, they had a show called Whiz Kids that was basically Whiz War Games, right. the series. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Blue, Th- Blue Thunder, Airwolf. Blue was Thunder like Blue and Thunder Airwolf. That- Absolutely. Well, there was a there was a short lived Blue Thunder TV series. I know with Dana Carvey is one of the with Dana Carvey. Oh my God, that's right. Uh, yeah. And I always thought that you know the Flash, uh, you know the, it's sort of a cult classic now. The the uh, John Wesley Ship show was definitely an answer to the Tim Burton Batman film. Yes, I mean uh, even though he had an established character, but it still was sort of like, hey, we can do that. Also, Dark Man uh, was kind of like that. Oh yeah, right. That was uh, uh that was one of Sam Raimi's his his like crack at a weird, uh, dark superhero. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but, I uh, don't remember Auto Man, but I do remember that Blue Thunder TV show. Oddly enough, I don't remember Dana Carvey in that, but I remember Ed Two Tall Jones and Dick Buckus <laughs> were in that right. show. <laughs> right. It was on. It was on right after Hee Haw. Uh, but the the uh, uh, so should we talk any more about Rogue One? Do we cover <laughs> everything? I think we I think awesome. we covered it all, man. I think we <laughs> covered <laughs> it all. Everything so, uh, and some. But like I, you know, Gonk Gonk was in this movie. Gonk and the uh, uh, probe droid mm. and little things like I'm a guy who would go see a movie just because Gonk. <laughs> the power sure. choice. Blue milk. Blue milk does it for me. <laughs> That's milk, how you know, the, the camera sat on the blue milk just a little too long for me. That was Jason. Uh, <laughs> right? No, I still have a no. problem with that. <laughs> I would tune in I, if that was a YouTube channel. It was just shots of blue milk. <laughs> there's a. Uh, there's actually. Have you seen the YouTube channel or YouTube video that's just like uh, Dagobah sounds for like t- two three no. hours? Really? Right now, oh, oh, dude, you're gonna fall asleep to this tonight. If you go to YouTube and put in uh, Dagobah sounds, it's just like three hours of sounds from Dagobah, and I think it's got a little video of just Yoda's hut, so you can pretend you're meditating on oh, Dagobah. I'm going. I'm, go- I'm, I'm doing it right now. Dagobah sounds. Oh my God, here it comes. I, I think, I think ninety-four that's minutes it. of Dagobah. <laughs> <laughs> here, let's see if I'm I can fired up. This up here. Let's go there. Let's let's go there. Let's. Just, there we go. So we're sitting here on uh, a couple of logs here on Dagobah talking. You got, a, you got a stick. That's, that's all you've got for entertainment on Dagobah is a stick that you can like <laughs> open the mud, uh, you know, uh, and and you're just chilling. And you're thinking about how bad you f***ed up in the Clone Wars, <laughs> <laughs> and how and how when it came time for good and evil to. Uh, to meet and Yoda face down Palpatine. All, that's what he's doing on Yoda. He's just replaying the battle in the in the council chamber over and over again about how his if his fingernail hadn't slipped and he hadn't fallen. <laughs> All right, now, now, now you got me. Uh, now I'm going down a rabbit trail because here's Death Star backgrounds. So this is what it would be like just just living on the Death. <laughs> There's Star. a Death Star in backgrounds. Yeah. Oh, it's just a klaxon going for like an hour. <laughs> That's it. Like, we think they're on levels five and six now. We think <laughs> they're splitting up. Oh, wait a minute. We got a little. <laughs> wow. How long is that? How long does that go on for? You can, you can, you can do this for a good uh, 25 minutes. You can open them up. You can open up in two windows and be on the Death Star and Dagobah yeah. at the same time. I don't know why you would want to do it, but you have that option. It's Multitasking. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Well, so we're in, yeah. um, everything is uh, going good with uh, Ready Player One. That uh, the film version that is that's going to be coming when this summer. Uh, it would have been coming out this uh, around Christmas time, but then uh, uh, episode eight uh, claimed Christmas time, and you don't want to get in episode eight's way. So uh, uh, I think Star Wars is coming out uh, in December eighteenth. Uh, is that the release date for episode eight? Is that right? Uh, is- is that right? God, I wow! I I have no idea. I thought it was That's later this year. That's later this, but um, uh, uh, Ready Player One's coming out the day after my birthday in 2018, March 30th. Mm. Uh, that's going to be. I go to midnight showings on my birthday. That's of, of But dude, this year's going to be crazy. I'm going to wow. get to go see John Williams uh, score Ready Player One. Uh, I'm going to be there every day during those scoring <laughs> sessions. Just uh, uh, that was like I think the first album I ever bought was his score. Uh, to Star Wars and uh, the soundtrack for Close Encounters. I'm just hoping that he calls you Ernie Baby. Because I hear he calls everybody baby. You heard that? I I have heard that he calls everybody baby. He can call me whatever he wants. I'm just going (laughs) to call him Mr. Williams. You know, I can't. That's like, you know, that's uh, oh it's God. just as amazing. It's just as amazing as Steven Spielberg, because John Williams is not just, you know, uh, Indiana Jones and Close Encounters and E.T., but also and, and Star Wars, but also Superman and, you know, like all like pretty much every classic movie Jurassic theme of your Park, childhood. Yeah. Jaws, Harry Jaws, Potter, yeah. you know, and Ready Player One. It's yeah. the craziest, you know, so I'm so looking forward to that. And I'm going to get to, you know, visit uh, uh, both ILM and Digital Domain and see the uh, them uh, working on the special effects for the movie. It's going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing year. I'm going to try not to steal anything while I'm at ILM. If they, <laughs> sure. But they lightsabers. You know, well, I'll tell you what, your, valuable, your success is, is so deserved. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy and somebody who is such a great custodian and curator of all this great popular culture. And, and you know what? Someday we're going to drop the pop and it's just going to be, you know, it's our culture. Uh, it's yeah, going to reach that point yeah. because it is. Aww. And so, thank you so much. Thank yeah, you so man. much. I learned it by watching you. I learned it by watching you guys. <laughs> uh, sure. Hey, speaking uh, of watching people, I saw a good picture of you, and you were playing an actual arcade cabinet version of the Armada video game. I know. I mean, Isn't that cool? Was, where yeah, was think, that? Is there an actual cabinet game for Armada? I think they made a special one for Comic Con uh, that year. And uh, gave it away to whoever could set the the high score. But I also did like a a contest. Uh, we made a game that was kind of a recreation of the fictional game in the novel, and then had a contest where we gave like an Oculus Rift and a and a Hotus Warthog joystick away. Um, but you can still play that game online. If anybody uh, is interested, uh, you could just Google uh, uh, Phaeton was real or Armada video game, and that okay. That's what no, I'm going to do. But uh, yeah, but no, that was amazing. I have several classic video games here in my in my house. I have a Tailgunner 2 cabinet. I have a Black Tiger uh, from Capcom. And then I have a Battlezone from Atari yes. 1982. Yeah, so I'm, oh, I'm not all virtual reality. <laughs> hey, um, well, obviously, because you did the foreword for a great book I just picked up called The Art of Atari. It's oh, a man. fantastic book. Isn't that great? Like yes. you'd only ever seen, like you'd never see the artwork that clearly before. It used to be all shrunk down on a cartridge or shrunk down on the on the game box or in the manual with uh, you know writing stamped over it. And this is the first time you could see all that amazing artwork. You know, and that used to be like half the game. You remember, like when the graphics of the game were so crappy, like you you relied on the box art. To, <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> 
Like, Fill oh, in this, the is blank. <laughs> this is what I should be imagining when I'm moving these when I'm moving these squares around and hearing these like air eh, eh, noise. I should be picturing vultures flying through the sky. Uh, oh, 8-bit uh, world. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you dug that. Anything Atari, you know, I still bust out my Atari uh, Star Wars games. There were like four really good Star Wars games made for the Atari, and I have uh, uh, – uh, I still love playing those. Remember that you guys probably it's like one of the my favorite uh, arcade collector's items and probably the one that goes for the most money is the old sit down Star Wars, the early vector Ooh, graphic. Yes, mm-hmm. I was playing it this weekend, this past weekend, as a matter of fact, oh, I met yeah, up with um, a Rebel Force Radio listener, Armando. I uh, met up with him over at uh, Galloping Ghost and that offer stands for anyone who wants to hang out there. Just float an email like Armando did, and uh, we can be uh, hanging playing classic old video games like the Star Wars vector graphics from the 80s. Oh, dude, that's badass. And it had the it had uh, sound clips from the movie. Yes, yes. Like Red 5 standing by, and it had gold and blue leader voices and stuff on the uh, soundtrack. That was like the first Star Wars game where you could climb into a cabinet. It made you feel like you were climbing into an X-Wing. That's going to be – that's why that's always one of my – my all-time classics. You guys get me talking Star Wars. I just can't stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> well, you're welcome stop. anytime, stop. man. Uh, anytime. Oh, thank you guys so much for it's having me on. great to this talk to you. Fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got to talk again at uh, the end of this year uh, when uh, The Last Jedi for sure. comes out. Is Jedi plural? Is that a singular Jedi or plural? Ooh, that's the Jedi. question on everybody's mind. What could it mean? But we'll talk about that. And then we want to, of course, talk more about Ready Player One as that gets... Uh, uh, ready to debut. So, oh yeah, there'll be a trailer. I'm sure there'll be a trailer. I'm sure by then, maybe there'll be a trailer for that at the beginning of episode eight. How awesome would that? Whoa! Be? Uh, uh, Man, oh, that just... would really that really would bring your whole life full circle, dude. I yes. I know, right? Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. just my head explodes. They like they found his skull in like <laughs> 43 pieces, and because uh, there was John Williams music in the trailer. But uh, uh, but uh, again, thank you guys for having me thank on. You, and, uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk later this year, hopefully. All right, take care. Definitely. All right, later, fellas. Right. Talk to you later, Ernie. Well, that went nicely. That was just a fun, freewheeling conversation. Anything goes, you know. Stream of consciousness, we'll call that. I love the strange brew stuff. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. You know it, you love it. From Tops comes the digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Yes, collect and trade over 1,000 officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. All of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe are here, including replicas of those amazing and iconic original 1977 Top Star Wars trading cards to futuristic all-new cards with exciting digital twists. Download it today in the App Store or in Google Play, and of course, we're using the Star Wars Card Trader app here at Rebel Force Radio. You can always trade with us here 24-7, 365 days a year. Just search username Rebel Force Radio and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the Tops Star Wars Card Trader app. These are the cards you're looking for. There's a lot of folks. The support us here at Rebel Force Radio, uh, not to, at least of which are good friends at Little Debbie. And one of the ways that we help support them right back and help support you is to give away Little Debbie snack bags. That's right, Jason. 
Little Debbie is, is so amazing, but they give us the ability to give back to Star Wars fans each and every week. And uh, we do so with Galactic Snack Pack, something you can only get exclusively here at Rebel Force Radio. And it's our way of rewarding you for being such a great Star Wars fan. And so we comb social media and we look for people who are talking about Rebel Force Radio and Little Debbie. And we landed on Jeffrey Clark. He's at R2Dad2 on Twitter. And Jeffrey says, thank you, Rebel Force Radio, for reminding me about the Rancho Obi-Wan swag hidden inside Little Debbie Star Crunch. That's right. Jeffrey Clark was out on the hunt, and he scored one, two, three boxes of Little Debbie Star Crunch, the amazing cookies with caramel and crisp rice. He scored three boxes. They're specially marked with the Rancho Obi-Wan logo and Rancho Obi-Wan collectible trading cards inside. You heard us talking about to Steve Sansweet about this uh, earlier in the month, uh, earlier in the year. Uh, there's 12 cards to collect, and... Uh, that's a, that's a lot of star crunching to be doing, and I'm down with that. If I mean, just give me the boxes of star crunch. I don't even need the collectible card, but you're going to throw in a Rancho Obi-Wan collectible card and a trip to visit San Francisco and head up to Rancho Obi-Wan and go on a tour guided by Steve Sansweet. All of this in one amazing box of Little Debbie. I'm down with that. So uh, thank you so much, Jeffrey Clark. R2 Dad 2, and uh, you're spreading the word about Rebel Force Radio and Little Debbie, and for that, you will be rewarded a galactic snack pack. All you have to do is send us your shipping address to show at rebelforceradio.com, and we will get that galactic snack pack in the mail to you ASAP. We do it each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio because, of course, Little Debbie is the official snack of fans across the galaxy. I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. I could talk to Ernie Klein all night. Would never what a have great to end. Guy. Yeah, he's such a great guy. Great guy, and uh, certainly a big fan of Star Wars. And as I call him, he's, he's sort of a, a curator of pop culture. And we're so glad that he's in the position that he's in. So uh, great to have him on the program. He's always welcome. Of course, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Big thanks to our sponsors this week: Casper.com, Little Debbie. Little Debbie Snack Cakes and Tops in their Star Wars Card Trader app. If you would like to play with us in between shows, we'd love to have you just drop an email, show at rebelforceradio.com or leave us a voicemail at 708-320-1737. That's 708-3201-RFR. You can follow us online. You can find us at Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. Facebook. We're there. We've got breaking news, links to stories, and great conversation at the only place on Facebook to find Rebel Force Radio, the official Rebel Force Radio Facebook page. Also check out the uh, latest episodes and news coming out of Rebel Force Radio at rebelforceradio.com, the official website for all things and everything RFR, including Rebel Force Radio t-shirts. Check those out. iTunes is still 
probably the greatest repository of podcasts. We love them because you not only can you subscribe and listen, but you can review Rebel Force Radio. We love to have those reviews. Just one rule, please. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming at WGNplus.com on Spotify. I bet you didn't know Spotify has podcasts. Yes, they do. Rebel Force Radio is one of them. Also on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. We're an official friend of Wikipedia, the ultimate online Star Wars encyclopedia exists at wikipedia.com. You can also find us weekly at jedinews.co.uk, yodasnews.com, and the official Star Wars website, starwars.com. And that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next time here at Rebel Force Radio. For RFR, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you always. Easiest lyrics ever.